please don't take this person out. Would you politely go to hell? Get the fuck out of my way. Cause it's been one of those days. Let's hear it for the burrito. Come on, that's not fair, man. Oh, did your father look the fool? Retention, retention. Are you smoking those hillbilly cigarettes again? Ask your doctor if ball kick tricks is right for you. Oh, I don't like that. Go put your floppy hat on and enjoy your day. Live on tape, it's the fastest hour in podcasting. This is Never Not Funny. Now, here's your host, Jimmy Pardo. Hello, everybody. Yes, welcome to the program, episode 2524. 2524. Twos are wild, isn't there? Uh, you got one five, you got one four. And that's what it's all about. Uh, it's, it's hokey pokey like, because mm-hmm. that's what it's all about. You put your left foot in, you put your left foot up. Put it in, you take it out. Put it in, shake it all about. You do the hokey pokey, Matt, to mm-hmm. turn yourself about, because that's what it's all about. Yeah. It's not about impeachment. <laughs> it's not about the election in November. It's not about the homeless situation. It's about the hokey pokey. Mm-hmm. They told you, right? The song. That is what it's all about. But did they mean the hokey? Po- what what the hokey pokey is all about is putting the foot in and out and shaking it all about. Don't use logic here. <laughs> it was a great. It's a metaphor for life. The hokey oh, pokey oh, is no a metaphor true. Yeah. for life. No, I mean, I, you want to get into life, you put yourself in. And you go, oh, scary. You take yourself out. But then you put yourself back in, you immerse yourself in it, and that's what it's all about. I mean, I don't, I don't talk about my religion much on the show, but uh, if you must know, the hokey pokey is my religion. You're the hokey pokey. Hokey pokeyanism is how I live my life. <laughs> <laughs> that's the the basic tenets of hokey pokey. No idea how much I love that. I'm going to tell you something. You go down to Sunset and and start up a little <laughs> kiosk out in front of the Scientology building, and you've got some new people, buddy. Yeah. You know, I'll go down there with you. I'll put a shirt on. Whatever you need to do cap sometimes you got to put it all in sometimes you got to take it out that's right and then sometimes you got to shake it all about because that is what it's all about you put your right foot in you put your right foot out you put your right foot in you shake it all about do the hooky book and i bet you that elvis at some point did that like <laughs> just mid like, you know, oh no joe uh, johnny knows you put your right foot in you put, <laughs> and then you order and then and then somebody yeah. they join on the drum <laughs> Put the right foot in. They probably wouldn't do that song. <laughs> I just well, they, that's all they have on their on their sheets. That's, they just try so to these, make it fit. So these the top line musicians don't know how to play hokey pokey. They only know what's in front of them. They would they would be able to pick that up very quickly. I'm sure, but if you had a whole bank of horns, they might just throw that in there. That guy's not doing it. Don't 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 <laughs> defend your nonsense when hey, you shouldn't be saying anything to begin with. There's no reason for, for you to be uh, throwing horns in. This is hokey pokey time. Right. I, don't, I sound like Seinfeld there. <laughs> hokey pokey time. Put, take your voice out. <laughs> yeah. You, you put your voice in, now you take your voice out. And then, you know what, shake. Elliot? You shake it all about. <laughs> Just give it a little, a, little, a, little, a little jowly today. A little jowly. Here's what I've discovered today, gentlemen. I think it's time we uh, high time we discuss it. Okay. Um, it's time I stop uh, going with the old rules that it takes me 23 minutes to get here. Those days are done. It takes you 30 minutes. It takes me about 40 now. Oh. Oh. The tra- and, and here it's the reverse, the inverse, one of those two words, of what it used to be. It used to be I would get in my car and I would fly to the 10 
and then it would be slow going from the 10 to the 405 to here. Now, it takes me, today it took 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. It took me 21 minutes to get to the highway. Wow. And then 19 to get here. And, uh, that's insane. The rest of the, that's insane. To the 10 it took you? That's why it used to take 23 minutes. It used to yeah. take Wait, you know, it, four you t- from your house to the 10 took 19 minutes? No, to, uh, this way I, to I, I took a different way to go a little faster. Uh-huh. Uh, to go to 405, I, took, I went down Culver, which used to be the secret. And of course, that secret's no longer a secret. Mm. Anyhow. What you mean is you put that up on a vision board. <laughs> and, uh, I did. I talked to would... Gail and Oprah about yeah. it. And uh, uh, Marianne Williamson. Mm-hmm. And I got my crystals out. And uh, Well, you've proven uh, what we already knew, which is that is bullshit. <laughs> the secret does not work. It does not work. It will not get you to the freeway faster. I do know a couple of comics that did the secret. And I got to be honest with you, they kind of came out of it more successful. It's like they... they implemented the tools they were given mm-hmm. at the the weekend seminar and they kind of came out of it doing okay who was it amy schumer i cannot discuss who this is i don't think that's fair to those people i'm just saying i'm trying to think, think of very successful comics i think it's their story no i'm not saying that they were the the biggest comics in the world right but i'm saying that they were working comics they went and did that and they came out of it mm-hmm. very you know I think that uh, one of the, the I do think positive thinking is important. I, I think you if you change your mindset, then you it changes the decisions you might make. And I think uh, a lot of comedians, because their minds are trained to be cynical, 100%. not all comics, but a lot of comedians, their tool, one of their tools is to look at things cynically. And that's how they uh, form their jokes is by saying you know looking looking at things from another angle but if you do that to your own career opportunities you might find yourself uh doing a podcast for 14 years (laughs) (laughs) thank you for finishing that sentence better than i ever could would find it uh no i positively came into this and said let's do this yeah you made made a positive choice now i will say this my mother used and i've said this before my mother used to always say you were a happy-go-lucky guy who was sarcastic Mm -hmm. and and you lost a little bit of that happy-go-lucky and i and i don't disagree with her at the time Mm -hmm. in my life that's accurate uh as a reminder my mother also got angry that somebody asked her once for directions so she uh, it may may be where i've gotten it from Uh uh-huh um well that's also isn't that part of growing up i mean when you're a kid you not all kids are like this but usually when you're a kid you're a little more happy-go-lucky i think so because life is simple for you and then when you have to become an adult and take on the responsibilities of adulthood it, it sometimes can leave you feeling a little bit like yeah this isn't as fun and now i'm a little more now i'm less happy-go-lucky because i have this weight on my shoulders i agree i will agree with that but i also will agree with what you're saying about being a comedian it's like once you start looking at at like and i always did Mm -hmm. but i would do it uh, maybe a little more uh uh, friendly right and you also have have talked about how you went through your angry phase (sighs) early in your career like wasn't as, it wasn't as I mean I guess it, it, in the scheme of things it's early but it wasn't as early as I like to think that right. it was it was and it was partly a result of of the big breakup horrible breakup. with Jennifer That's you right. were angry Very and angry. so you everything on stage became angry <laughs> angry with with no humor with <laughs> right. no humor no wink nothing mm-hmm. nothing unbookable is what I should have been <laughs> that sounds fun I don't it does sound fun I do remember Steve Segrin a comedian out of Chicago who uh uh, he and I were doing a show up in Milwaukee once, and I just, I was the, I it may have been the angriest I was on stage. 
And he thought the whole thing was a bit. And when I came off stage, he's like, hey, that's a new thing you're doing. He goes, I think if you, I go, it's not a bit. I'm fucking furious and I'm brokenhearted. And this, that was all raw. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, oh, then that's horrible. <laughs> you gotta drop that. Get, get that out of your system. You shake that loose. Uh-huh. And of course, my, my dad famously said once to my buddy Steve Ayat, as my dad came to see a show in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. He was up there uh, for one reason or another, just coincidentally. And uh, after my show, he turned to my buddy Steve and he goes, we got to get him out. We got to get him out of this. <laughs> I, my braces screwed that up. Mm-hmm. We, we got to get him out of this. That's what he said. And uh, I remember being mad at him and then yeah. going back to the hotel room and going, oh, no, he's right. I, I got I to get out of this. Hey, um, this is switching topic slightly, but is bottom line it took me 43 minutes to get here. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> is is one of the new levels of the the new Never Not Fun, Funny premium going to be there or platinum going to be that you uh, take your braces out <laughs> just to make that, uh, you know, uh, no, <laughs> I, I can't great. take them out. I can that'd take be, them out. That'd be amazing. Here's the problem. It, it, when they're out, it's weirder at this moment. Right. It has to be. But you're, you're not that far from being able to not have them in at all. I am. I will be out at December 30, January 30, February 29. Great. Is when I get to then uh, just uh, well, that sleepy time. Kind of lines up with the. So, yes, the, the answer next, is yes. The next season starts. Yeah, so that's part of the top level. Right before then. <laughs> so, yeah, I will be, uh, I, I believe, anyway, well, you know, they'll probably do a scan of my teeth and go, mm-hmm. uh, no, that guy's still got some snaggles, so keep these uh, <laughs> going. I do have that one tooth that wants to jut the wrong way that I thought would be straightened out, but did, uh, everything else got straightened. You know what? Let it do what it wants to do. Here's the problem it digs into my gum. Not my gum, my cheek. Just, that's just the my way. Lip. That's that's just his, that's just his way. You got to just accept him. <laughs> it's the worst. It's the worst. You bite your lip every time you eat. No, no, it's the fucking worst. Yeah, I could see that being bad. Right. It's the whole reason I went for the braces is the one tooth that won't be getting fixed. Huh. It's annoying. I wonder if you could like put uh, get like a latex cheek lining. <laughs> How about some moleskin? Just put a little piece of moleskin. There you go. Yeah. Every time I have to That's eat classy. chew. Why well, you just have them pop that sucker out? You know, Garen, I'm not going to lie to you. That is, well, first, you know, here, here's here's two reasons why. A, that's a horrible idea. <laughs> that's the truth. I mean, I've thought this all through. My grandfather, to read Salvador Pardo, said yeah. to uh, my father once, uh, he called my dad Jimmy. He goes, Jimmy, the, the, hang on to your teeth as long as you can. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, so I always think about that, like, right. you know, to Garen's point, like, you know what? Pop that out. Put a replacement in there. Yeah. I, I won't have this problem anymore. But you want to hang on to your teeth. Well, but keep in mind, uh, dentistry has advanced since the 1950s. No. When your grandfather probably said that. I don't think so. <laughs> like the, the replacement teeth are much better now. That, you know what? You're right about that. He did say that it'll be probably in the 90s when he said that uh, when he was. Oh, OK. Teeth. Wow. Oh, so like, how, how long did he live? It was 91, I want to say. It's impressive. 91. Yeah, my let's see, my grandmother uh, passed away in ninety nine, and then uh, I think two thousand one or two thousand two. Then <laughs> talking about my grandmother dying. <laughs> Balloons, you're like a child. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he admits it. Something he'll never do. Uh, I almost put that song on today because I was. I, you saw that it was me in that monitor. You saw who I was pointing at. I did. You saw that it was you. Is what I meant to say. You almost put that song on today? Because I was I was trying to... Zoe keeps singing songs from a high school musical, and it's driving me crazy because then they get stuck in my head. So I was like, let me put on something else that'll get that out of my head. So I put the obvious choice, Rock Me Amadeus, came on. <laughs> and then I was like, that's so funny how there were there was more than one German language 
top 10 hit in America in the 80s. And I was like, I'm going to put the other one on. Well, there might be three. Der Commissar. Der Commissar, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, mm. but and I was, Falco had that other one, too. He had... Uh, what was the other one? Uh, well, he did Der Commissar. He did a version right. of that. The original. But what, he, had another, he had another hit, though. Falco. That's one of Oliver's Which favorite artists. Don't drink, don't smoke, what do you do? Who's, is that That's Adam Ant. That's, That's Adam Ant. That's Adam Ant. Take, take it back. That's about him being a square, man. Mm-hmm. Him being in the rock world, but being a square. He don't drink, he don't smoke. What do we do? <laughs> do he rocks do. is what he do. Uh, Does he rock? Yeah. Not really. He, 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 <laughs> he, he, he sings. Alt rocks? He plays. Punk rocks? Yeah. Uh, could it could it have been because of like the Berlin Wall and all that stuff we were Absolutely thinking about? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I guess that's true. I guess that's true. What, what a twist. That made me laugh. <laughs> that made me laugh. <laughs> I wanted to agree. And then I was like halfway through going, I don't know if I well, can agree what, with it. What, what's your premise? Because the Berlin Wall came down in 89. No, no, no. But, but we were paying attention more then because because oh, okay. it was like, it was all that pressure trying to trying to get freedom for, for uh, the Germans. I can't uh, speak to this. If you want to play that But one, I'm going to say no. That, that applies to one song and one song only, which is the scorpion song that was literally written about the fall of the berlin Winds wall of change is yeah that the one? is that scorpions yeah scorpions yeah yeah mm-hmm. uh so clearly they wrote the song about that about the yeah. wall coming down and then we all embraced it because it was a thing that happened well they're we german all, right it, it it was important to them rudolf schenker klaus mein jesus germans <laughs> sounds like it yeah and i'm going to tell you something they will rock you like a fucking hurricane <laughs> that sounds painful well, hurricanes are not good by all, all news accounts I've seen. Yeah. People get bl- blown over. Uh, your house floods. Mm-hmm. You want rock and roll doing that to your home? Invite the Scorps in. You don't want to. I mean, rock music in, inherently involves electricity for the electric guitars and such. It's not safe. You do not want that near no. water. No, no. Very dangerous. No, unless you got, uh, even if you got one of those things on your wall where uh, it'll, the uh, fuse will pop out. or Ground fu- fault interrupter. Ground fault interrupter. But you could, we, didn't we discuss it? You could still die. It's possible. Right. It protects the next person is what happens. Like if you're in a tub and you uh, uh, somebody throws a toaster in there, kills, you're dead. And then the thing then pops. The thing pops yeah. And then the That's next person comes in and goes, hey, there's a toaster in there. Oh, I'm fine. Splash around. <laughs> yeah. You're uh, I believe I believe that's the case. It's, it certainly seems plausible that enough current could go through or it might make you less dead. Yeah, maybe it shuts off before it's really bad. So I then you're just comatose and then you drown. <laughs> yeah, right. There. Yeah, you just got to slink down. Mm. I mean, I think it, it does make it so that you can touch the person and perhaps save them from drowning. I believe, yes. Maybe. Maybe. If, uh, but I think you got to get in there. In this day and age, I don't, know, I don't know who I'm allowed to touch, Elliot. I mean, <laughs> what the hell? Come on, Elliot. Don't hashtag this show. <laughs> uh, uh, Garrett, do me a favor. Uh, look up Falco. Because uh, I want to know what his other, his third hit yeah, was. Yeah, there was a follow-up to Rock Me Amadeus. Because I think Dirk Commissar came out before it that. It did. But what was the follow-up? It uh, rode the coattails of the and I like it. Wolfgang. I like it a lot. Oh, it's going to kill me. There was Rock Me Amadeus. Yeah, that's Dirk Commissar, mm-hmm. Vienna Calling. Vienna Calling. Oh, oh, oh. oh. Yeah. Vienna yeah. Calling. But that was English. Oh, oh. Out of the Dark was also one. Yeah. Right? Isn't Vienna Calling all in English? I want to say that uh, that's cor- another one of the there's a, a there's double two versions. versions. Yeah, uh, that's an interesting question. Which version? Because there was also an English version of Rock Me Amadeus, right? And there's definitely an English version of Der Kommissar. Uh, yeah, and also 99 Red Balloons. But Der Kommissar, there's also the other uh, another band did that as well. Yeah, yeah, that's the one uh, that I think went higher. I believe so. Wait, hang on, I, I, I can't pull the name of that band. It's driving me bananas. Isn't it? I thought it was Kaja Gugu. No, 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 no. That's too shy. 
Hush, hush. Nah, I do I. I do I. I thought they had more than one hit. But. Yeah, Lamal had that hit from Never Ending Story, but that's really it. Who was it then? Who did uh, it's three words. It's three words. Um, it's not Return to Forever. Ah, um, oh, darn it. Garen, look up who did Der Commissar, other than Falco, please. But I'm what I was going to ask... While yeah, you, and then give me the initials of the three words. While he's doing that, like, which... Did, like, did the German version of 99 Red Balloons, uh, 99 Luft Balloons, it was called, did that chart one time and then the other one was considered separate? Here in the States? Or was it all I, considered one? I think the English one charted here. And they, But and they then, did play the German one and on they the radio. Would, that's correct. Yeah, a lot. ATF. What is it? ATF. Oh, after, after the, the fall. Fire. Oh, after the fire. After the fire. Right. After the fall is a uh, journey song off the frontiers. Okay. Uh, after the fire did Der Commissar. That's a shit name. After the fire, a lot of shit names for bands back then. But that sounds like an album. There's a lot of shit names now. Yeah, I know, but they don't succeed. (laughs) Some of them do. That after the fire, I mean, they had one hit. Uh, Yeah, it was a big hit though. It was a big hit. We should talk. We're talking about we're talking about in 2020, (laughs) 2010, and then 10 years plus. Add 10 to that. Add 10 to that. That's where we are. Uh, I mean, I remember we talked about this in 2010 as well. uh, We haven't stopped talking about it. That's what uh, makes our show unique. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Ellie, you look confused. Well, I, I was looking up Falco, and because I was doing that, I didn't hear everything you said. It's it's Falco's song that that after the fire covered. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Good. Uh, and then Falco's dead. You know that we've yeah. we've lost Falco in a uh, uh, car accident. I want to say. Hmm. Right. It's probably I, somewhere I here. I did not know that. I I uh, think I knew he was dead. I, I didn't know how. I want to say, uh, if I'm not mistaken, a, a cocaine. Uh, That's what they want you to believe. Riddled car read. Car read. Car <laughs> ride. Uh, I don't you know. think there's some Falco conspiracies out there? I think if you go real, if you go deep enough, you'll find out uh, he knew too much. I will tell you that it really bummed Oliver out when he found out Falco was dead. <laughs> like it, I mean, you think the commissar liked being sung about? He was trying to keep his shit on the down low. Oh, you see, you're saying the commissar took him out. Yeah, when when people least expected it, 35 years later. Oh, <laughs> well, he was in town, right? Uh, you think Falco right. would have known then? The commissar did not want anyone to know he was in town, I see. and it ruined his career. And then this guy, here's Falco mouthing off. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Uh, I get don't a, even get me started on uh, the, the Hunter Biden connection with that <laughs> song. <laughs> you want to have him show up and be a witness? Great. Yeah. That's what's so funny. Yeah, I didn't do anything. Yeah. See you guys later. I mean, but, but, but it is like it lets them put on a fucking circus around that which you don't want you know but it's so stupid like what the fuck is he gonna say i went to traffic court once with a witness <laughs> and these a-holes won't allow witnesses yeah it's it, almost like they're hiding something it I might know, be i don't know what uh, yeah that, that's why i just i don't get the i don't get the position i don't get the like yeah yeah this is the right like how can you agree with a side that's fighting tooth and nail to hide everything to keep everything out of out of the spotlight out of the public i mean right just like if you didn't do anything then why the hell would you care if bolton testified let everybody talk yeah if you have nothing to hide right and especially because their new argument seems to be that uh abuse of power isn't impeachable so if you're just if you're admitting you abused your power but you're saying it's not impeachable then then just let them talk every president abuses their power you don't go running to impeachment every time they do it matt that was a quote today from some (laughs) a-hole just i mean that the, that then you then, haven't abused power. Then words no, don't def- mean anything then. Yeah, if, by, if you're by, saying- <laughs> by definition, you can only abuse something if you're using it incorrectly. Right. You've abused the power. So if you if it's not an offense, then, then it wasn't an abuse. Right. <laughs> it's just two different ways to say the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. I, uh, 
a little bit of weird times, man, that uh, this election will not solve, I'm sad to say. I'm not an expert. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's out there. You know, this is uh, this is uh, the conversation now. And it's going to be the conversation. And this ne- the next person, uh, whoever wins, let's say it's Andrew Yang mm-hmm. wins. Uh, mm-hmm. He's going to have a target on his back the entire time. Yeah. So it's it's going to be that for the rest of our lives. Which is why I go back to we have to elect Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> she will bring this country together. I was going to suggest right, Doctor Oz is the Surgeon General. That's <laughs> <laughs> perfect, right? Is that any crazier than Ben Carson? No, no, of course no. Not. <laughs> it's equally crazy, no. right? Gail will be doing something on the lawn with the eggs on Easter. <laughs> like it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great idea. Bring her in. Why does Gail get egg duty? Gail's got to do something. I can't see. No, that's a Stedman job. You think Stedman's on the lawn? Yes. Stedman's on the lawn with Liza. Strumming on his whole bench. Oh, Stedman's on the lawn with Liza. Stedman's on the lawn. Stedman's on the lawn with Liza. Strumming on the old banjo. That was me. My fault. Oprah. Is Oprah married or no? I don't know what her current. She's with Stedman. She's been with Stedman for 50 years. So there would be no first anybody. She's a Gail. There's, Aaron, I'm not going to allow that kind Come of uh, conspiracy rumor Us Magazine bullshit today. <laughs> We're not talking about Look Magazine, man. We're not doing your thing where you're bored at three in the morning and you're Powerful Googling. women can't have friends. Right? Powerful women can absolutely have friends. They can also have secret girlfriends. Maybe he's in some weird Reddit group we're not aware of and his community. He's <laughs> got something going on. Oh, he's definitely in one of them. That's no, definitely no happening. Question. Hey, the other day, Garen, you accused me of being up at 3.30 in the morning. And then you said that you were also up at 3.30 in the morning. Uh, was there a reason? What's going on? Oh, I'm always up late. You're up, I see. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a good story. Then. I, I, want, <laughs> I feel like you're skipping the headline. Why did you think he was up at 3.30? Because I got a, a tweet a tweet notification. Oh. But I think it was just delayed. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. But why would it be delayed? I don't even understand that. Because that happens sometimes. It does? It just shows up randomly on my phone or whatever that sometimes the whale's busy you can't get to your little uh, notification right away hey speaking uh, to uh, to notifications uh, we had a uh, text chain yesterday mm-hmm. that you liked uh, you acknowledged the the, uh, the text mm-hmm. and then that acknowledgement went away yeah and uh, that's why i was like wait did i not do it? it but i did right i saw you do it yeah and then when I uh, then looked at the thing again, it said just uh, like I, I saw in the because I was I was having lunch with somebody mm-hmm. and I looked down and I saw, you know, Matt Belknap has liked blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I was like, OK, good. Matt's in. And then Elliot came in and Garen or uh, whatever mm-hmm. order. And then when I picked up my phone, lunch is over. I pick up my phone like a human being. And uh, and I look and I go, well, that's weird. I guess Matt, did, I must have misread it. I guess Matt didn't hmm. like this, but you did. There's no question you did. Thank you. I never saw that. Yeah. What's up, buddy? This you is, think it's Android related? Probably. You think it's Blackberry bullshit? You think it's the Triple B? Triple B. <laughs> Birmingham Black Barons. Could be. Uh, you know who played for the Bar- uh, the Birmingham Barons, right? No. Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Weren't they the Birmingham oh, Barons? Oh, right. Yeah, when he went to the minors. Yeah, you know, to hide from his gambling problem, whatever was happening during that. Uh, <laughs> to hide from his terrible uh, uh, on-base percentage. <laughs> he, was, he was bad. You should have never played in the majors. Like, they shouldn't have even let him play. Well, he didn't play in the majors. He oh, I thought he did. No, he played in the uh, cross. And if I'm wrong, Garen, uh, look this up. Uh, I, I want to say he played in the Crosstown Classic against the Cubs prior to this. They, they used to play a game before this before uh, interleague play. Like a preseason. A preseason game that would sell uh, a bunch uh, of tickets. Okay. I think they let him play in that game, but not. Oh, so he never even got called up. No, because he shouldn't have. Yeah, he was terrible. He, he couldn't get on base in the minors. Because. 
he's a basketball player. <laughs> no, he was never in the majors. Too tall. Minors only. I don't think a six six guy is gonna be ever gonna be a great batter, right? Well, what's the tallest like? The tallest. Well, Randy Johnson's the tallest. I don't know if he's tall. Wasn't he, Tim Lincecum taller? Well, there's a guy now who's really tall too. I think, but, but uh, they sucked at batting too. Lucas Giolito. You're, you're talking about pitchers. I am. Yeah, but they're tall. When you're at the plate. You. I mean, look at how big the strike zone is. It's, it's, it's big, isn't it? Man? It's like a John Roush. Did you say him? I did not say John Roush. What is he coming at? Six eleven. Jesus, that's almost that's almost seven feet and tall. Was he a pitcher? Or what did he play? He had to be a he pitcher. He's a pitcher. Yeah. yeah. All right. Who else? You got? Who are the other ones? Run it down. Uh, they're all good pitchers, right? I mean, that's that's what I'm interested. I'm going to wait and see because it helps you as a pitcher. Oh yeah, you're coming in high. You got a, a a longer lever, which is why Randy Johnson was great. Yeah. One of the best of all time. But wouldn't that also mm-hmm. then help with like hitting homers? Like, I guess I, I understand. No oh, boy, come on, Gary. You're supposed to be looking something up. <laughs> I, I understand what you're saying with regard to like the the size of the strike zone changes depending on the size of the person mm-hmm. is what I'm getting. So that means that you're less likely to connect because they're going to play games with you. But if you do connect, like aren't, wouldn't your number of hits versus number of homers be higher? I mean, you still got to have good hand-eye coordination. You still got to be able to Wait, uh, why get would around you, on it. Are you saying they're more likely to hit a home run? Because the, be, for the same lever. Because they're, they're powerful? Yeah. You, no, because the lever in that the case torque? is the, is yeah, the, the, the home runs come from power, which comes from your your core right but if you hit there's the ball of, at the, i think his point is there's a lot of core there there's a lot of core there uh, but in, in addition if you hit the ball at the end of the bat the amount of force that you need to get more out is going to be less because it's a longer lever i i don't know i'm not a i'm not a baseball person mm, that's a well i will say i mean look your shorter guys your jeters and so on and so forth they it certainly don't have as much power as your Danny Tartables right. pulled, a, pulled a player <laughs> from 1998. I wasn't even good, sure that that was a name. Good Lord. We, we, this room barely knows Jeter. Why are you throwing Tartaball? Danny Tartigrade. I'm not, can, can I tell you, be honest? I locked up and could not think of one baseball player. And Danny Tartable's name is the only game that came up. Hey, look, you thought of one baseball player. God, that's just, I, I'm laughing at myself. I mean, based on who the, 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 the best power hitters are, it seems like there is a sweet spot at around sure. six feet, maybe. Oh, okay. And, that, and actually, oh, I like shoulder width. It's even taller than maybe that. six four. I yeah. would say six four. Okay, but those guys are. They're, Frank Thomas is a monster. Yeah, yeah, right. It's not just height. It's also you have Albert you, Bell you have was a monster. Of course, you said not to say anything of Danny, Danny Tartaball. <laughs> Why are we forgetting Tartaball? An Danny absolute beast at the plate. Was a right fielder for the Yankees. Might have played for the White Sox for ten seconds. Uh, all right, Garen, you got that list of tall baseball players? <clears throat> I got 28 of the most notable and tallest MLB players ever. All right, start at the very top and then work our way down. We're not going to go through all 28. That'd be John Roush. John Roush. 6'11". I, I heard he's 6'11". That's very mm. tall. All right. Randy Johnson. He's a pitcher as well. 6'7". 6'10". Oh, wow. 6'10". Eric Hillman. By the way, Randy Johnson came to see. I was working at uh, KJ Riddles in Orland Park, Illinois. We were told the Mariners were in town. We were told um, that Ozzy because Ozzie Gein used to go to that club all the time. And uh, we were told that uh, he's bringing Randy Johnson, and and I was and I so I said to the other comic, I go, hey, give me a s- signal if uh, Randy Johnson comes in. He goes, you'll know if he comes in. <laughs> and sure enough, here comes this guy eclipsing the lights. Yeah, just yeah, this that, giant that's, man. Yeah, that's freaky. Do you do you enjoy the show? Could you, could you see him laughing? You know what? It was one of those things. I had a I had a race out of there. I didn't get a chance to meet him, and yeah. I didn't get a chance to meet Ozzy Ian that night either, which is fine because I uh, never cared for him as a player or a manager, and I'll tell him to his face. He only won you a World Series. Why would you like him? <laughs> Matt, as I've said since 2005. Anyone could have won you with that team. You could have managed right. that squad. Uh, so, but wait, but you could have, You, I assume you could have heard him laughing or not laughing while you were on stage. 
I, I, I heard your, your whole act is looking at the crowd and seeing what they're doing. You don't pay attention well, to the 611 guy? Bright light you can't see in the back once he sits oh, down. Oh, he's in the back. Okay. Yeah, he sat in Indian style and he still was uh, taller than everybody. Uh, we call that crisscross applesauce That's right. now. Uh, you know, because Indians didn't sit that way. What? Um, uh, all right, number three. Eric Hillman. Eric Hillman, I don't know who that is. Six ten, New York Mets. That a boy. Chris Young. <laughs> that a boy. Uh, wait, Chris Young, the uh, the outfielder? I don't know from Padres. I oh, know that's interesting. No, no, that guy's a pitcher. That 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 Chris Young's a pitcher. You 6'10". could you could you could reel in some would be home runs with a with a big tall with a reach. frame. Yeah. No, that's what they thought. They throw Jordan out there, and that would take care of that problem. Yeah, because he could jump like the Dickens. Uh, that's right. Right. They called him Air Jordan. His logo is called Jump Man. <laughs> which I didn't know until probably seven years ago. Oh, yeah. And uh, at the time I was like, that can't be true. That's the stupidest name for a thing I've ever heard. But that, that was Mario's original name. Jumpman. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh, that's right. Then they gave him that uh, plumbing job. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Got a promotion. Mm-hmm. How's Luigi feel about that? What was his original game? He's a ghost hunter now. Yeah, it's ghosts. <laughs> okay. That gives him up. Yeah. Uh, all right. Give me another name. Mark Hendrickson. Okay. Next. Just keep going. Richie Sexton. Now here, there we go. Richie Sexton was a uh, was an outfielder, mm-hmm. and uh, what's he six nine, Mm-mm. six eight, six eight. Richie Sexton, and and to to Elliot's point, did nothing but hit home runs. Oh, was is that a, true? Was a horrible. If I'm not mistaken about Richie Sexton, it was a his batting average stunk, and he did nothing but hit home runs. Huh. So yeah. when he so he was not good at connecting, but when he connected, it would go yes. out because oh. yes. he maybe had an easier time. Yeah, cool. cranking it around there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Go ahead, Garen. Uh. Dylan Betanson. Betanson. Dylan Betanson. He's a, a pitcher. Go on. Tyler Glasnow. A pitcher. Logan Andrusik. I don't know who that is because I think you mispronounced Orioles. all the words. Next one. Doug Fister. That a boy. He's, he's part <laughs> really of your group, isn't he? Um, come on. Man. Come on. It is. He's part of a group. No. He's, he's not part of a group. It's not the group you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, it's clearly it's a her. That's it's a her. That's another pitcher. Go on. Oh, oh never mind. I, I'm just analyzing my own stupid joke. Aaron Judge. Now, Aaron oh, Judge, he's, he's current player. He's current player, and he's a he's a monster. He's a giant, and, and, and does nothing. He, he, does he hits hit for average, but also but he hits a lot of home runs. Wallops, yeah. six seven. So, uh, go, uh, go ahead. When he comes to the Frank foot, Howard, say, here come the Judge. Frank Howard was another former Yankee. Was he a former Yankee or former Met? Maybe a former says Yankee. Dodgers. Frank Howard was on the Dodgers, but he may have. This is I don't know what this. Oh, maybe I'm thinking. Oh, most notable team was the Dodgers. You're thinking of Clint Howard, <laughs> who played for the Bad News Bears in one of those sequels, I assume. <laughs> Did he pass away recently, Clint Howard? No. I no read, way, man. I thought I read that in the Howard newsletter that I get every month. <laughs> that, that's uh, the, the thing they send out to family and friends yeah, at I, Christmas. I get that at Christmas time. And of course, we lost Clint. <laughs> Rest in peace. Um, Clint. But congratulations to Ron on another Director's Guild <laughs> Award nomination. <laughs> and of course, that's not to dismiss Bryce and her. Uh, she directed an episode of The Mandalorian, and I enjoyed it quite a bit. I would imagine you did it. Again, Ozzy Gian could have directed that. You would have enjoyed it. That's true. That's my point. But some are better than others. You got good tools around yourself. You're going to be okay. Yeah, but uh, you don't want to get in the weeds on this with me. But I will say some episodes were better than others, directing directorially. I am not going to get in the weeds with you on this because <laughs> I saw literally zero seconds of it. You would like it. Mm-mm. Yeah, it's would. a western. Mm-mm. You guys, don't tell me what I like. I tell you what I like. You yeah. like you like old television, and it's in the style of old classic television. It's true. I saw a terrific Columbo last night with Janet Lee. And Maurice Evans. Wow. It was great. How old was Janet Lee? Well, she probably wasn't that old because that shows from the 70s. Yeah, this would have been maybe 1972, her episode. So she was in her 40s, maybe. Yeah. But she was already like a quote unquote washed up actress. Yeah. So probably no, probably even in her 50s. Huh. 
She was born in 1927. Uh, 27, 37, 47, 47 57, 57, 67. Oh, so she was five. Boy, oh boy. But you know what? It's one of those where it's at that time where 45 somehow looked 60. Right. Like, you know, Wilford Brimley was younger well, because, than me in, yeah. ca- in Cocoon. Everyone died when they were 72. So it was like, except back. for your grandparents, apparently, who <laughs> just lived on. And on. You, know, my, you know, my mother's uh, father lived to 99. Wow. Leon. Go, go ahead and say it, Karen. Balloons. <laughs> I, I was chastised the first time. Yes, because it was inappropriate. The she timing was, was inappropriate. Your grandma would have loved it. <laughs> no, she would not have. <laughs> she loved reference humor. No, she would not have liked it. She was a big fan of 80s music. Janet Lee died at 77. If that was a question you were asking. It was not. Too young, though. Uh, put in Janet Lee Columbo and tell me 75. what year that came. That was 1975, mm-hmm. so she was born in when? 27, so she was 48. 48. Yeah. She looks 58. Like, it's one of those. Yeah. Again. And that, that, too, they made her to look that way as well. Although she still danced amazingly. It was wow. it was a really good episode. It had a nice twist to it that uh, the Columbo's don't generally have. Um, Ellie, right. did you finish, real quick, did you finish Mandalorian? Ah, uh, yes, I did. Okay. All right. Well, maybe you guys Talk can about go, that later. get in the weeds. Sure. Uh, you know, uh, Vietnam style when this thing's over. You enjoyed it? I did. Yeah, he loved it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I loved everything about it. Who didn't? I didn't see it. Well, other anyone who watched it, my son loved it. Yeah, Oliver Griffin loved it. I believe Danielle enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what uh, like love tolerated. I don't know where she was. I think <laughs> okay. she I think she enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I did go see a motion picture yesterday, uh, and, and I'll tell you why. Uh, I bring it up because I brought up my son. I uh, was having lunch with somebody yesterday at a lunch meeting, and then I said, uh, "I got to be out here by two thirty because I got to pick up my son at school, and it's about uh, thirty five minutes away." And so, uh, so I got out of there. At, and I'm racing. and like, Jesus, can I look at the clock? And then uh, literally, as I pulled up and saw uh, all the cars waiting in line, it dawned on me, he gets out at 6 o'clock on Tuesdays. <laughs> oh, no. So, like, oh, I now am over here with two and a half hours to kill. Sounds like movie time. Uh, so I went to see Underwater mm-hmm. uh, on uh, both your and Kyle Anderson's recommendation. You guys both said it was fine. And it's fine. I uh, I went. I saw 1917. You saw 1917 night. on the big screen. But the reason I bring it up now is that uh, we were got there early, and uh, like like a like an elderly married couple, Elise and I sat on a bench in the hallway of the movie theater. Not that we could have gone into the theater, but we we're like, let's just sit here and uh, have a little popcorn. And I like that. Yeah. And and what in the five minutes we sat there, I think we saw seven people walk out of underwater. Not all of them were leaving. I, I don't know if any of them were leaving, but at least one of them was probably just giving up on it. I, I have to assume <laughs> it seemed like one of them was like he had his stuff with him. Really? Although he maybe was paranoid that someone was going to take his stuff. But it, it was a, it was an alarming number of people walking out in the middle of the movie. I will tell you that I was very comfortable going to the restroom a couple of times. There, there was we did see one woman that who was clearly going to she could uh, we saw her run back. That did not bother me. That uh, like oh you know what I go to the bathroom I'm all right. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're not missing. You're, you're not missing. Anything. It's missing. not a you're, yeah. It's it's a very yeah. it was fine. It's, cha- it's kind of like a, just an hour and a half chase through water. It's, I thought it was aliens underwater. That's a hundred percent what it was. Yeah. All right. That's going going uh, agreeing with me, mm-hmm. which is a welcome it's, change. It's a fun movie. It's fine. Yeah. What do you think of the... Oh, I can't talk about the end, I guess. No, I cannot. But I would like to discuss it with you uh, uh, off the air and uh, while I'm kicking your ass. What do you think, what do you think of the, the song, The End, by The Doors? I love it. 
Okay. I do. Can we talk about that? I know. That, is that considered a spoiler? <laughs> that, is not, that is not considered a spoiler. Okay. Uh, I don't like people talking about the end of anything. Uh, and did you enjoy 1917? I did, yeah. yeah. It's great. I, like, I, I, I don't know what's happened to me as I've gotten older. I, I Just all westerns and war movies. Mm-hmm. Like, my dad loved those growing up, and I was like, what? Yeah, I, like, oh. yeah, I kind of, yeah, I know what you mean. And then now it's like, yeah, give me a Western. Give me a war movie. I'm in. It's sort of nostalgic on some level. Like, yeah, because I love World War One. You know that. <laughs> you know, I always harken back to those days. No, I think it like maybe reminds you because like my dad would take me like he took me to see Glory, which is a Civil War movie. Um, and the fact that I knew he loved war movies, maybe seeing them now is kind of nostalgic for like the idea that this is what your dad likes. Yeah, maybe. I'll uh, give you that. That may certainly be the case. But it's also Westerns. I just like, a, you know, it's just such a straightforward simple idea that's so well executed mm-hmm. it's just like everybody knows what the movie's about right it's just like this guy these people have to get from here to here or else and that's it and it's like let's see if they can do it we know there's a bunch of shit that's standing in their way and uh a bunch of shit known as uh the german army the germans yeah which uh i understand is why we had uh, those hits in the 80s <laughs> <laughs> do you think it had something to do with world War i think War? it had a lot to do with world War. it certainly had more to do with them the wall coming down <laughs> Actually, you're joking, but just like we had uh, a baby boom after World War II, I assume other countries also experienced a baby boom. And those w- people would have been around the age to be making hits in the 70s and 80s, right? They've been in their 30s. From the... Uh, the children of the... Of World War II? The survivors of the, of, the, the, of the Second World War. Yeah. Yeah. So there's more people. So more hits. <laughs> All right. I'm not the bad guy here. He's the guy that said it. And I'm not arguing him. I'm saying. Well, he's been right about two things in the day. He's been right about the baseball. No, now no, he's right about no, this. No, no, no. Matt's making a di- asserting something different. Yeah, My I assertion think. was that Americans were interested in songs with German language because of sympathy oh, for no. West Germany. And Matt is saying no. there were more people generally speaking. So therefore, it's more likely that a big hit would come out. That uh, I'm going to go with Matt people. on this, not not with. I don't disagree with Matt's I I theory. Think, I but think it's ridiculous. I think it's completely specious, but, but it's fun to think about. Well, I know it's not about that wall. I know that. Uh, <laughs> did Americans even really care about that? I don't. Well, I have a friend a who deal? he 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 went. He heard about all that stuff, and he went over there to specifically try to support people. And I didn't do any of those things, but I well, that, I didn't care. He did. I know, but you, he you, wouldn't. He didn't go alone. I mean, there were other. He went by himself. He was alone. I got a photograph of the one guy standing by the wall, and it was like, "Who's that guy?" Always oh, that's Elliot, buddy. You'll meet all these people in the future. Don't worry about it now. I didn't know any to your point. No, I, I think people only cared about it in as much as uh, there was a political effort to. You know, bring down the Soviet Union, and 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 so, but didn't you know Reagan said we should tear down the wall, and so in as much as supporters of Ronald Reagan agreed with him on everything, they would say, yeah, that's true, that wall should come down. When but, did Gorbachev become like the guy and this hope? I'm sorry, who? When did Gorbachev? You? Gorbachev? <laughs> Gorbachev. I've never heard it say Gorbachev. What are you, him? <laughs> that's like, it's One not a... like a cold soup. Yeah, that's exactly. I was like, that's is that a, a rare bean? that <laughs> you make a Gorbachev salad. You go like the Gorbachev... Uh, 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 what are they called? 
what are, what, what are chickpeas also called? Garbanzos. Garbanzo. Yeah, that, Gar- that, garbanzo beans. That, that, that was the connection. Yes, I was and I was mean Garbanzos. I was trying to go along with it, <laughs> and my brain just fried. It literally <laughs> just fizzled like two wires, as if you threw a toaster into my bathtub. Oh, That's don't what just worry, happened. The, the the connector is going to take care of it. Not for me. The next guy's fine. <laughs> He'll be able to say Garbanzo beans with no problem. Wait, what did you say? Now I can't even say it wrong. Gorbachev. 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 Are you looking up to see if that's right? Because if you're looking up to see if that's right, I'm not kidding. Shut the cameras down. We go audio only the rest of the show. <laughs> really? You aren't interested? Because you're wrong. But Every, it was the way that Reagan said it. And so that makes me And gives me Dan wrong. Rather and Tom Brokaw and Peter Jennings and 5,000. Gorbachev. Wait, what just happened? It's Gorbachev. Gorbachev. And, and you're confirming that with some weird dance song? Oh, that was that was Garen. That was Garen. Oh. That <laughs> yeah. was an ad. That- Mikhail Gorbachev. Gorbachev. Gorbachev, which here's what's weird to me is that it's not spelled that way. Like, like there are Russian names that have an O-V at the end, but it's spelled with an E-V at the end. To me, that's just a weird thing to notice. But why would that change where you put the emphasis? That could, that it could be Gorbachev, but not some people Gorbachev. Do, some people did say Gorbachev. But, but yeah. I'm just saying that that particular pronunciation was the same one I pulled. Yeah. It's it's of not ev. What we can agree is it's not Gorbachev or whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's not Hibachi Grill, <laughs> right? What did you say it again, please? How you said it? In Gorbachev. Gorbachev. I believe is what I said. Yeah, that was uh, that was like a punch to the face. That was so jarring. <laughs> <laughs> was, to never expect. First of all, I expect that from uh, from Garen, but. Uh, <laughs> I don't expect it from you, and I also just didn't expect, uh, of all the things to mispronounce, uh, that's that's not one I would yeah, have. No, name. as they've always said, mispronouncing words just means you're reading, and the, it's a sign of intelligence. It's not a... Uh, they always say that? They do say <laughs> that. They do say it. If, if, yeah, if you've never... If you've well, never now, heard I've heard it. it, but I... Look, I see we, that it we could mis- be true, but... We mispronounce people's names from other countries all the time. So that's my that's my Here defense of getting it wrong. Here comes well, we, the Qaddafi we mis- <laughs> we, we mispronounced Tony Kukoc's name for, you know, 10 seasons. Why? What is it? I think you just said it right. Kukoc. Yeah, but in Chicago, they go, that's ah, Tony Kukic. Uh, or they would <laughs> oh, go, right. Kukoc. Like, they would, yeah. literally within the same conversation, people right. would say it three different ways. Yeah. And it was like, can we just settle on one? Yeah. And I guess it was uh, Tony Kukoc. He was a European ball player, played here in the States for a little while. He was tall as well. He was. He was, uh, he was. Czech, was he Czech? I want to say he was Croatian, but maybe Czech. I think you're right. Um, was it a Czech? No. Hey, get it? <laughs> So anyhow, my, my, my only... I didn't. Oh. <laughs> and I'm not so sure that's what he meant. There he was. That's, that's, that's <laughs> my, my apologies. <laughs> the new Garen. Don't, don't undersell the new Hang Garen. On, I'm getting what, what I can only assume is a very important phone call. Uh, here, Garen, take this if you will. But a- anyhow, m- my only question was, when do we start being aware that there is a possibility of some kind of oh. coming together with uh, Gorbachev? And uh, and America and that sort of thing because that was when the, there was hope that maybe actually there might be some kind of change. Yeah. Up until up until him, everybody was hard line, right. knocking a shoe on a table, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, I don't know the answer to that, but to, to the mid eighties. Are we still talking about Gorb- Gorbachev? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, Garbon. Say his first name, Mikhail. 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 Mikhail Gorbachev. Gorbachev. 
so you've heard Good it job. wrong. You're, I, I, I've heard it all sorts of ways, and I just didn't know which one was the right one. All right, now listen. Look at who just walked in. Richard Marx <laughs> just walked in, looking more handsome than he looks on any of his photographs. What? Uh, what? He looks good in photographs. I, I'm, but he looks more handsome in person. It's like, <laughs> it's true. How do you take that as an insult, you <laughs> dickhead? No, maybe because it was coming from you. It sounded. He's looking better than he looks in any photograph, and he looks beautiful in photographs. Yeah. And now in person, okay. The jerk walks in looking fantastic. He does look great. Yeah. <laughs> and I know he's sick of talking about his hair, but even the hair looks beautiful. Hair looks great. Yeah. All right, Richard Marx is here. Richard, remember the guy that used to run uh, uh, Germany? No, uh, no, Russia, 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 Russia Soviet, Soviet, Soviet Union. Union. Last one. Uh, Mikhail. Mikhail oh, say the last name. Mikhail. Mikhail Brezhnev. Oh no. Oh, that's yeah. That's, but, but that's after, after him. After him. In the eighties, like the the, la- oh, the Gorbachev. Say it again, please. Gorbachev. Gorbachev. Okay. <laughs> say it for him the way you said it. Gorbachev. Yeah. That's what I said. Is that correct? No. no. <laughs> but but have you ever heard anyone say it that way? I also heard Gorbachev. Yeah. Which makes no sense. It's Gorbachev. Gorbachev. Uh, Gorbachev. Yeah, yeah. Gorbachev. That's the way it's spelled anyway. Well, that's uh, we just spent 25 minutes talking about that. So that's the nightmare you've walked into. Um, all right. Richard Marx has just walked in. He's taking time away from uh, doing the right thing over there on Twitter. Uh, if you're not following Richard Marks on Twitter, you're making a big mistake. This is this is the guy uh, to be following. Uh, certainly, uh, every, every it's got to be once a day. You're told to uh, you shouldn't have an opinion, right? Uh, oh, at least once, once an hour. Yeah, <laughs> just stick to your music. Sometimes they're right. <laughs> you very you, you you had a very Chicago accent when you said that sentence. Very, sometimes they're right. Hey, sometimes they're right, Jim. Yeah. That's the thing about that Richard Marx. He comes from the north side. Mm-hmm. He's up there with those guys, Jim. Mm-hmm. He's different than you. I was. An, I'm a south side guy. So, yeah. uh, you know. So you guys, you're up there with the, uh, the cool guys. No, we were not the cool guys. We were the bigoted, closed-minded a-holes. Oh yeah, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> no, awful. Uh, all right, Richard Marx is here. Uh, have we settled the Gorbachev thing? I think yeah. so. All right, yeah, let's I take agree. a break. Let's get Marx over to the big table. Uh, he's got a brand new album out. Uh, by the it already comes out Tuesday. Uh, next week, but we're recording this because of my schedule and, and Richard's schedule. Recording this a little bit early. Uh, Limitless is the name of the album. Uh, three tracks are available as we speak, and they're mm-hmm. they're terrific. And uh, it's not a surprise, you know, for, for anybody that's listening. You know, why is Richard Marks on the show? Uh, it shouldn't surprise anybody that I'm a Richard Marks guy. That, no, it uh, it's it's right in the Pardo pocket. Mm-hmm. It's right in there with your Ario and with your Chicago and your sticks. Why wouldn't uh, any another Chicagoan? Why would, apparently I don't listen to Chicago bands. <laughs> yeah, you're very uh, prejudiced against anyone outside of your Oddly own. Oddly enough, you hate the band Chicago. <laughs> that's, the, that's the weird part. Actually, they're number one, Richard. They're number one. I love those guys. And then, uh, but you know what? Oddly enough, I hate Cheap Trick. That's the band I, I do not hate Cheap Trick. I, I <laughs> I'm trying to think of one that I wouldn't like. Ministry? Do I maybe not like that? I like maybe one song by Ministry. Oh, I know, Smashing Pumpkins. Pumpkins. There it is. Oh, there it is. Because yeah. you hate everything from the nineties. Yeah. I mean, everything well, of that vein. Probably that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but even that. What is it? Nineteen eighty-four. What's the name of that song? Nineteen seventy-five. 1979. 1979. <laughs> they bumped it up four years. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They looked at the calendar, so let's write about it. Yeah. Uh, I like that song. That's a good That's a good one, yeah. And then I, I, who did I see them open for at Dodger Stadium? They opened for, not the police, that was the Foo Fighters. Who did I see them open for? Was it the Rolling Stones? Could have been Maybe. the Stones. Yeah. Was it the Rolling Stones, right? I think it was the Stones. Yeah. I remember I had what I will call the worst seats in the history of me going to concerts at that show. Mm-hmm. So I don't blame them. Okay. Uh, all right. Richard Marks is here. We'll take a break. We'll be back right after that. Hey, uh, Everlane is a company that is uh, we talked about in the past. We're mm. going to talk about it again today. We are. Why would you buy a T-shirt for $50, idiot? <laughs> oh, God. 
Why would you do that, man? You really put me in, Why the, would you in, do the, that? in the crosshairs with this You don't know you cost $7 to make it. Yeah, I'm stupid. Well, I wouldn't do that. And with Everlane, I don't have to. I will never overpay for quality clothes with Everlane. Everlane only makes premium essentials using the finest materials without traditional markups. I will tell you, while I'm not wearing an Everlane right now, I have uh, one of my favorite t-shirts and I have a drawer full of favorite T-shirts. Yeah. One of them is this beautiful blue that I have from Everlane, and it is it's, it, it drapes on me beautifully. They're, they're, yeah, their shirts are great. Their pants are great. They're, they're doing it right over there. Well, Everlane only makes premium essentials using the finest materials without traditional markups. Uh, they want you to know what you're paying for and why. They tell you the real costs and are radically transparent about every step of the process. I like that. I like knowing that uh, I don't have to feel bad about uh, who made these clothes or where they came from. Well, they're made in ethical factories. Yeah. So uh, be proud to wear your Everlane. Uh, no matter what your style of preference is, you and I both wear similar clothing, but we have our own styles. Mm-hmm. Uh, Everlane's clothes look better, cost less, and last longer because Everlane sells directly to you. Their prices are 30 to 50% lower than traditional retailers. They've got a, oh, this, this might be what I was just talking about. They have an essential cotton crew t-shirt. It's, a, it's made exactly what you're hoping it would be. <laughs> I, I mean, I can tell you it's like the mo- some of the most comfortable T-shirts I've ever worn are, are Everlane. Like they're just, they just fit nicely. They feel good on your body. They make you feel like you're getting a hug from a shirt. Well, here's why. It's versatile. It's simple. It's stylish. And it's made from quality materials. Uh, they got shoes that are Italian made. They've got outerwear that are made from recycled water bottles. That's cool. They've got perfectly fit uh uh silks that they use yeah (laughs) perfectly fit silks maybe spoken so the silkworms are working out of the gym is that (laughs) what's happening these are very fit silkworms (laughs) yes uh they got japanese denim you know your better denim comes with the japanese i do know that actually salvage denim is is often uh the, the the best stuff is always from from japan all right right now yep you can uh, check out our personalized collection at everlane.com slash pardo uh that is everlane e-v-e-r-l-a-n-e.com slash pardo and you will get free shipping on your first order Mm -hmm. that is everlane.com slash pardo to get free shipping on your first order everlane.com slash pardo everlane better way to dress hey matt Hey, Jimmy. On season one of Never Not Funny, you, me, and Mike Schmidt, the three of us, yeah. you, Mike Schmidt, and I talked about that. There we go. I like yeah. that better. Uh, we talked about uh, shaving the private area. Yes. Right? Matt, uh, you, I believe you and Mike thought I was bananas for doing so. Yeah, I, I keep it freaky down there. I, I, you still keep it freaky to this day. Yeah, I, I like to you know, I like to let my freak flag fly in the, in the lower well, region. Well, I'm going to ask you, and so are the fine folks at Manscaped, mm-hmm. for you to knock it off. Okay. Manscaped, uh, they're going to hold you accountable to get rid of that funk and shave your junk. Mm-hmm. Their words, not mine. Yep. Although I like to, hey, time to ruin the funk and shave your junk. I'll, I'll do the first part. I very much, I've been, I've, but wait, sh- shaving is going to help with that. You think? Yes. Okay. Yes. I, guess, I guess that makes sense. It'll cool it down a little, the less hair. It's like uh, less You're telling insulation. me you've never shaved down there in your life. Never. Shave it. Uh, it seems. That's where the funk is coming from. Well, the, when I say funk, I mean, it's just, it gets too warm. Right. Yeah. Cool it down. Cool it off. New addition, this thing, man. Yeah, take a, yeah, just uh, buzz it and uh, fuzz it. You know who? You know who does it? <laughs> who? Uh, Bobby, Ricky? Ronnie, Ricky, and Mike, Mike. Well, if I love the fuzz, who cares who you like? <laughs> they shave their balls. Who cares who you like? <laughs> Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below the waist grooming and hygiene. Yeah. Right. Listen, 
I, I do it on a regular basis. I, I, I shave it down there with both a trimmer and a scissor. And one time with a scissor many, many years ago, I uh, sliced my scrotum a little bit. Oh, God. And you want to know pain? That's pain, buddy. Oh, boy. Not so with Manscaped. Well, they have their own clippers. Maybe you should use those. They're designed just for your balls. Well, they are forever changing the grooming game, Matt, with what you just talked about. The Perfect Package 3.0 Essentials Kit. Perfect tools. It comes with, Here's what it comes with. The improved lawnmower 3.0. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a waterproof cordless body trimmer and a ton of other f- liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. Yeah. So what you do is you shave down there, then you you, you, you soak it up with these uh, lotions. I've already made use of the, the I think they call it the crop uh, protector. Crop, uh, what does it say it there? Uh, crop preserver. Crop preserver, which is fantastic. This is what I've been wanting my whole life, which is just something... I don't want to get too graphic, but I, I need I need some uh, deodorant and moisturizing I'm, in that I'm area. Not, I'm not effing around anymore. Shave it a little bit. <laughs> trim it down there. Right. And you won't be as fungusy. Yeah. You're full of fungus. It's not the fungus. It's just it's. Well, Trust me. It's about it the is. fungus. Okay. It is sweaty down there and your the sweat stays because right, you've got but, all that hair down there. Yeah. But the. Shave it. Manscape it. But the, the cream, I've so I've used the cream and it's fantastic. Well, it's, imagine it, now with smooth balls, that cream <laughs> is going to go on nicer and last longer. Okay. Now, listen, let's not forget about that crop preserver. It's an anti-shaving ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant in your armpits, right? So why not? Why not put it on the smelliest part of your body? Yeah. That stinky area of yours. I mean, Mine I don't know about smell. I just know that it's it's it gets uncomfortable to, to be sitting or walking. Trust me, it smells. Okay. What, were you, what, you said that in a weird way. I once bent down to tie my shoe <laughs> near you, and I was like, this son of a bitch isn't shaving. Dear Lord. Uh, they got that blade that Matt talked about. Uh, now, here's the package. Mm-hmm. You purchase the new Perfect Package 3.0 kit at manscaped.com, mm-hmm. and you're going to get the biggest bang for your buck. Subscribers get new replacement blade refills for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months. Mm. Right. Uh, so you're weed whacking down there and that's going to get a little uh, dull that right. blade over time. Sure. Three months later, here comes a fresh blade, mm-hmm. fresh balls. <laughs> Make sure your trimmer always stays fresh and clean for a limited time. Subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. Okay. You get the shed travel bag. That's a $39 value. Mm-hmm. And the patented high performance anti-chafing manscaped boxer briefs. Nice. Right. You get some underpants and you get the travel kit. Yep. This is the perfect package for your perfect package. Their words, not mine. <laughs> Get 20% off and free shipping by using the code funny, funny yes. at manscaped.com. So go to manscaped.com, M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com. And then at checkout, use the code funny and uh, you're going to do yourself a favor and you always have the right tools for the job. Now, here's a, now, to add a little more joy to that. As I said, you get 20% off and free shipping. With the code FUNNY at manscaped.com, 20% off at manscaped.com. Use the code FUNNY. Your partner, your body, and your balls will thank you. Manscaped. Better way to shave down there, partner. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the program, episode 2524. Season's winding down. Yeah. Get your finances in order. The uh, season 26 right around the corner. I guess a few weeks away yet. Uh, yeah, we're, we're going to do some some little stuff uh, at the tail end of the season. I see. To leading up to the new, uh, the switch over to the new website and all That's that stuff. right. Very exciting. So uh, get your finances in order. Don't screw this up. Uh, Richard Marks is here. He's taking time away, like I said, from fighting with the MAGA guys on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> and then you're doing something. You and Richard, uh, uh, Rick, uh, Rick Spring do some stuff together right i was telling these guys beforehand if i'm not mistaken you just did something for australia where if people donated x amount of money you would do something special for them yeah are you still doing that well it started with um you know because i've been to australia about 
15 or 16 times now and I it's really sort of like a second home to me I've spent so much time there not just touring but I've actually hung out there you know for, for mm -hmm. you know pretty good chunks of time I love the people there I, I'm just I have a great affection for that country and seeing the devastation has just been heartbreaking you know and so I I don't know if you saw it, but on Twitter there was this um, model who was for a donation of ten dollars or twenty dollars, whatever it was, she would send them nude selfies. I did see that. Yeah. She's a nude model, and she raised like a shit ton of money. Really? And I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was awesome. And so I just so you're I, doing dick pics. So I'm yeah, <laughs> exactly. So you're like you get ten bucks, you get a you get a, well, a Richard I don't, dick pic. I don't do comedy. So um, so my idea was to uh, I went on Instagram and. Um, so anybody that donates $100, donated, I did it for like five or six days. Anybody that donated $100 or more would send a, a picture of their receipt and I would send them through instant message, just a thank you, a video greeting, you know, by name. Hey, Karen, thank you so much, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And we raised about 20 grand. That's great. Yeah, it was awesome. And in the middle of that, uh, Rick Springfield and I have been friends forever and we we have toured together quite a bit over the last couple of years. And, um. He thought it was awesome, and he's Australian. He's he's originally from Australia, right. so he came over to my. I said, I got another idea. Come over to my house, and for five hundred dollars or more, we'll send people a video that we made of do, uh, us doing a Beatles song, um, "All My Loving," in my living room. So my wife filmed it on iPhone, mm -hmm. and it's actually really pretty cool. And so that was another five grand, six grand, something like that. So then his idea is we're going to do a thing called Stage It tomorrow. Um, this, this will actually hour. be this comes right, out next right, week, yeah, yeah. so last Thursday. So we're doing this this thing, uh, which stage it is a. It's, I mean, a lot of young, sort of struggling singer songwriters do it, and they get they're on. They can do it from their laptop, and just an acoustic guitar or piano, or whatever. And you perform for however long, and you get donations. Mm -hmm. And it, some musicians make some money from that, you know. But um, I've also seen some established artists use it for charity so that's what rick's idea was so he and i are going to just spend like an hour doing each other's song they're kind of like what we do when we perform live so. so when you guys do it when it's the uh the richard and rick show and you guys i go call out. it the dick squared tour okay <laughs> <laughs> you claim you don't do comedy uh hey speaking of which, let me, i'm going to challenge you on that you two things have happened in social media in the, in the past few months uh that have made me laugh one was amy sedaris posted the photo did you see this mm -mm. amy sedaris posted a photo of something she saw at a grocery store and said it said uh and the post was i now have a new way to leave a room and it was the product was stay fresh cheese ball cheese bags <laughs> and, uh, I fucked up. Uh, but stay fresh, cheese bags. And so I laugh about that every day. And then something you said makes me laugh literally almost every day. Uh, about in 2020, you have a new way you're going to answer the phone. Do you remember what it was? Oh, yeah. Go go for dick. Go for dick. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Those two things are in my, like, as I'm running every morning, those two things. Well, yeah. So so Rick and I we started doing these shows together. And, um, and so, so we would come out together and then I would do a set of an hour and then he would do a set of an hour and then we would close together. So when it was my turn to be up first, essentially, I would say, welcome to the Dick Square Tour. Mm. And then I would say, and you know, this is just me, but when there are two dicks involved, I always want to be the first dick. Yes. <laughs> That's just me. Right? You I'm just, no, I don't, want, I, don't want, I don't want to be the second dick. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, he's a great guy. And yeah, I think you started to ask me a question, but I, uh, I guess you kind of answered it about how that format is. Um, uh, you're not out there at the same time together, 
But when you do yeah, the well, thing a little with, bit for a couple at, of times at the end, right? But essentially, it's two separate shows. Yeah. Um, what about when you do the stuff with the? Uh, I'm going to say Matt Sorum, and that's wrong. Matt Scannell. Matt Scannell. That's totally different. Matt Scannell is the lead singer of uh, Vertical Horizon. Right. And he's like my brother, and um, so we started doing shows years ago. Uh, just we called ourselves duo. And it was a similar kind of, like when Rick and I are on stage together, it's a similar thing. We do one of my songs together, we do one of his songs together, right? But with me and, and Matt, it's, an, it's the whole show is we just take turns. So we open with one of my songs and he plays and sings harmony. And then we do a Vertical Horizon song and I sing and play harmony, mm-hmm. you know, I play and sing harmony. Um, and I'm just such a huge, huge fan of Matt's work. And I was a big Vertical Horizon fan before I met him. Yeah. Um, but he, and then we've ended up writing a ton of songs together and had great success together. We haven't done that duo show in a long time. But so, so what we're looking to do th- this year actually is, I'm touring so much. I'm leaving in a week, but um, I'm going to do a tour later in the fall where I I think it'll be that Matt will come and open acoustically, and then play in the band with me. Great. So that'll be really fun. Uh, you like that? I like that Vertical Horizon yeah. as well. They, uh, I did a thing uh, for VH1 years ago called the uh, the List, mm-hmm. and Matt was the host oh, yeah, of yeah, one yeah, of the yeah. episodes that yeah. I did. Yeah. Uh, and uh, if anybody, hang on, because we have a guitar here. Good, yeah, do if it. Anybody listening is puzzled. Matt is the guy that went. He's everything you want. He's everything you need. That guy. Yeah. All right. Any, if you don't know that song, you're a fucking moron. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Now, I'll tell you this before, uh, during the break, Richard said I'll play one song. I fear that might be a bit of it. That was it. I was Put it. the guitar away. None He's of that done. was it. Anything, anything, anything past that is extra, if you know what I'm saying. I, I don't, but I yeah. could uh, learn easily. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know what? It was. Uh, you know what else was on that uh, list? It was uh, the, the uh, Stuart Copeland from the Police. Oh shit! Me, uh, Matt, uh, the woman from Morchiba. Do you know that band, Morchiba? No. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> and then I forget who the other person was. Uh, it was another Morchiba type act, and uh, the audience did not care for Jimmy Pardo that day. They <laughs> really? did not like me. I could. Oh boy, did they hate me. Really? Oh, it was the kid from the kid from Sister Hazel. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, Ken Block. Yes. He's a great guy. And I've written songs with him. Yes, I saw that uh, as I was... Uh, I like Ken. Uh, Kenny's a good guy. Living my life. And I, that, but what, you, it was shit on Pardo Day? They did not care for me that day. <laughs> uh, th- uh, they were supportive. Uh, I was going to say, Matt, I'm sure I could just see imagine Matt yeah. trying to help you out. Uh, yeah, the audience... Uh, yeah, yeah, what happened was uh, Stuart Copeland, uh, it was best pop album. We were, I think, was what we were discussing, right. and my argument was that uh, to me, a pop song is is a at the time, uh, in my opinion, it was like a three minute jangly guitar, the knack, that sort of vibe. Mm-hmm. So I was I was uh, rooting for Get the Knack uh, for to be the best pop album, mm-hmm. and then Stewart was uh, talking about how it should be um, the Doors, and he went on a long thing about how. You know, the Beatles were your protein and the Stones were your carbs. And then here comes, uh, you know, the the doors and, and they're your, you know, wait, 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 give me another one. I Fire heroin. Here comes your, here's your heroin. <laughs> and I just, and, and, and I'd been doing okay. It, it, like the audience was okay with it. And then I just went, I have no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> right. Thinking the whole audience would go, thank God somebody fucking said it. And instead they all went, <laughs> and then shut down on me for 35 oh, minutes. Oh, wow. That must have been fun. It was awful. Yeah. And then I'm trying to just, now just talk music that I right. like with these other musicians. So now, now you're coming from a place of like. Just fear. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, it was awful. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. That's uh, even <laughs> when I walked, when I walked off stage, my manager said, "Put me, Bruce. You know Bruce. Mm-hmm. Put his arm around me. And he went, uh, Jim. You know I'm always supportive, but." Uh, Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, you, you shit the bed on that Yeah, one, and I did, admittedly. You can't, um, like, Stuart Copeland's probably the best known, the biggest star on that stage, right? He's... How dare you? <laughs> of course. Yes, of course. You can't, just, you can't just disagree with that guy. The crowd's rooting for him. They're like, this is the guy. They're one of those paid audiences in Hollywood. Yeah. I know, but they know the police. The they might not know Sister Hazel, but they know the police. They certainly didn't know me. They didn't, they didn't even know Matt. Like, you're right. They knew one person on that stage, right. and I and how took dare a piss. You? Yeah. Of course. Uh, all right, Richard Marks is here. The guitar is n- n- nearby. Will he mm-hmm. pick it up? Will he play a new song? Will he play a classic? We don't know what he's going to do. Mm. Right? He's a wild card. I Richard don't even Marks. know what I'm going to do. Um, how many? T- you said you're going on tour. Uh, when, do you go out? Do you do a long run? Do you go out just because I know you have family, although your kids are grown. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you go out and do two weeks, come back, then go out and yeah, do another two weeks? Well, uh, I mean, it's hard to say. You know, I. Actually, uh, maybe like a year and a half, two years ago, I was uh, in a restaurant that had an elevator that took you down to the lobby. And as I was leaving the restaurant, I was with one of my sons, and I heard, please hold the doors. And we turned around, and it was Bono. And I'd never met Bono before. And I'm a huge U2 fan. And he was super cool, and he, hey, how you doing? And and so we're riding down the elevator, and Bono says to me, he goes, are you, on, are you, are you touring? Are you on tour? And I said, no, nah, I just do shows. And he cracked up and he went, holy shit, I wish we could do that. Yeah. <laughs> I said, yeah, you can't do that. You guys can't do that. Because so much so much of my touring is just me and a guitar mm-hmm. or there, and there's a piano. Um, so I do a lot of solo acoustic shows, storyteller shows, which I, I feel the need to you know, make, make it very clear that they're not serious singer-songwriter shows where I <laughs> talk about the muse and what I was going through. Nobody gives a fuck about any of that stuff. <laughs> So it's just a, it's just like if I were having you over to my house and we had some drinks and I, there was a guitar there and I was like, oh, I got a funny story about this song and do the song. That's what the show is. And so I can sort of do that um, as much or as little as I want. Yeah. And, and I just, I, I found that I'm having so much fun being on the road and doing that and I'm enjoying, I'm certainly enjoying the shows more than ever, but I'm actually enjoying all of it. I'm like, I'm not you know i'm not even bitching as much about the travel and stuff like that is it because you're a gazillionaire do you think that plays into <laughs> hard, this at all hard that does help yeah you gotta helps. imagine that plays into <laughs> it a little bit it, it definitely well yeah, yeah when you're when you're doing anything from a place of want rather than need mm-hmm. it's you know and plus my wife comes out on the road a lot and so that makes it more fun because instead of just sort of like hiding in a hotel room and then doing the shows it's like i'm out and about we're in whatever town we're in in a way that you weren't previously no, I you'd never be by that. yourself you would hermit it up in the hotel always um yeah i mean it's interesting we've talked about it before when we've had musicians and the, the life of the musician the comic is very much the same very and that you get to a town you kind of just want to be alone yeah showtime and then it's it's the old john denver thing about when he talked about cheating on his wife it's like how do you make love to ten thousand people then go home alone and, and you you do if yeah you're, you it's know. a it's a bit of a weird existence or at least it was for me for most of my career most of my life because my ex-wife did not like going on the road with me at all so i was um even though i had a band for the most of those years mm-hmm. and i would hang out with the band a little bit but I, i've always been a little bit of a loner anyway mm-hmm. and and i think that's maybe why Ever since I was first starting out in, uh, you know, starting to have any success in the in the 80s, in the late 80s, I became friendly with multiple comics. I've sort of 
clicked with a lot of interesting comedians and i think part of it is because that lifestyle is we have in common we I get we get is. each other in that way you know there's no question about it we're all fucking weird yeah <laughs> and needy there's yeah, certainly needy. Needy. exactly we, we need the audience to. it's like i do it's like i've referenced this on stage before where i'll be playing a theater and and i'll see people i'll see security go over and like tell people to put their phones down or to like and i'll go what the fuck like I got into show business because I wanted people's attention. Mm -hmm. There are artists that won't let people take pictures in their show. And they make these stage announcements and shit. Like they have the the building. It's like, I put fucking product in my hair. <laughs> like I choose what I'm going to wear. Like I want you to take my picture. Yeah. I want you to post that shit on YouTube. Like you I do. I do. See, now, totally Now do. as an audience member, if I'm behind a guy that's got his phone up the whole time, I, I want to punch him in the back of the, the head. Ass. I get that. Yeah. Now I'm not saying like to, to, de- to be doing that the whole show. I mean, it's still up to, up to the audience as far as I'm concerned, but I get as an audience member that that would be a drag. I'm just saying that this sort of, don't take pictures at all. Mm-hmm. Don't, video and photographs are strictly pr- like fuck yeah. you. <laughs> you know, you guys paid a shitload of money to come in here, and you know, you got babysitters sometimes, and you get parked, you parking and meal, and like you can take pictures. Like, yeah, no deal. It's a lot of dough to go to a show these days. It is. Mm-hmm. Um, you, meant, you, you said something that made me think of this. I saw Brian Adams back in the eighties at Poplar Creek. Yep. And uh, a guy ran on stage and, you know, just to kind of be a jackass. Yeah. And then security was rushing him out and Brian stopped the song and said, hey, no, let him be. That guy's just having a good time. Right. Obviously, that's happened to you as well, right? Sure, Some sure. young lady would probably run up there. Do you yeah. let that person stay? Do you let them get beat up backstage? What happens? <laughs> it's a case by case basis. All right, fair. fair. <laughs> For the most part, they're just they're either if somebody's going to run up on stage, it's a little scary though, right? I mean, at first, if, yeah, if somebody's first charging you, of course. Especially with some crazy shit that's happened, you know, over the years with people really getting killed and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, you know, you immediately think of Dimebag Daryl, you know, getting shot on stage right. and stuff. But I'd never, it's never that. It's just, it's like all of a sudden, it's just such a weird, that stage for a performer, as you know, is, it's like a, there's a force field a little bit. Even though you're interacting with the audience, that's your safe space, you know? So when, all, when you see somebody out of the corner of your eye running at you, but it, for me, it's always been a dude who's drunk mm-hmm. and but happy, who just was like, "Yeah, this dude told me nothing together, man." <laughs> to which I would go, "Okay, bring a microphone out," and they, they always, you know, sort of humiliate themselves, but they're having a great time. And it's right. no big deal. Um, or it's a female person who's running up for a hug or a what a, a, a grab or yeah. something, which is also fine. You welcome it all. You Whatever. don't care who runs around. Whatever. All right. And I'll have you know, I still, at 56 years old, have underwear thrown on stage. It's just now, there depends. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. You and Tom Jones. Yeah. <laughs> and you probably hate it as much as he does. Um, uh, I, I, it just it, Since you brought up your success in the 80s, I... Uh, to give you backstory on Jimmy Pardo and Richard Marks, I discovered you first when you did backups on Chicago 17. No shit. Uh, and you, I would say, me and Donnie Osmond. No, that's my question. You, when you do that sort of thing, when you're a session guy doing backup vocals, yeah. do they bring you in at the same time? Do you do? Uh, do you lay down your track separately? That listen, yeah, like I talk about music. Do you lay down your track separately? <laughs> this, this didn't work out for you well the last time you talked about music. <laughs> no, I, I, I got booed. Um, how does that work when you're when you're doing? Were you and Donnie together? I guess is my yeah, point. In that case, yeah. I mean, look for the most part. Being a background vocal session singer, which is what I was for a few years while I was trying to get a record deal, mm-hmm. um, and so I sang on Madonna record, a Madonna record, and Whitney Houston, and 
and you're a, you're on Whitney's biggest hits. Like you're right, aren't you? No, one of the greatest love of all. Some of, no, but I'm on that album. I'm okay. on her first album. Um, but I'm on some of Lionel Richie's biggest yeah, hits. Yeah, you are. Kenny Rogers and like I got, I sang for a lot of different people. Um, and what happens is that the only way to really do background vocals is once the lead vocal has been finished and completed and is put together and is perfect. So then you come in and you harmonize and you you do parts around that. So 99% of the time, the artist wasn't even there. It was just me and the producer. And, and sometimes I would be with a group of, mus- of singers. Um, but that day was, um, I, I actually wrote, I was sort of in the Chicago band camp at that time. Mm-hmm. And I, was, I wrote a song with Robert Lamb Good, good for nothing. Is that yeah, which ultimately didn't make the album, but it was on the USA for Africa album. Yeah. It's a, a great a song. Year later, it was okay. Um, but I, I, you know, hung out with with him a lot, and I knew Peter, and uh, and so I was just at the studio one day, and I had become friends with Donny Osmond at that time, um, who was trying to get something going of his own, and we just we I think it's that we went to lunch together. And we stopped by the studio, which was down the street, in, 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 in right near here, like a couple blocks from here. Mm-hmm. And it was a studio that's no longer there called The Lighthouse. And so Donnie and I just kind of popped our heads in to like hang out, and, and the producer, David Foster, went, hey, we need background vocals. Hey, is Richard and Donnie, perfect, that's perfect. And so they just changed, they switched gears completely, they put up the reel of that song called We Can Stop the Hurt, and, yeah. and we went out and learned the part, and so Donnie and I, sang it like standing right next to each other it was cool it literally just uh, walking by after lunch yeah how great is that I mean they probably would have called me because I was working on the record mm-hmm. but it was so it's such perfect timing that you know oh shit Richard and Donnie are here let's get them on the record <laughs> that's uh that's a great song that's a that's a really good song I, that was a lot of good stuff on that record that's a very good record um sure. and it's so weird because as a as a session kid I was 19 I think and then in the last year, maybe like six months ago, here I am doing a show in somewhere in Northern California with Peter Cetera and us sort of like giving each other a big hug. And yeah. Like all these years later, like it's such a family. It's such a community. You know, the, mu- the music community is such a we, we never hang out. There's very few of us. That, there, there's very few singers who are friends. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's just a competition thing. I think it's just the nature of we're all, like we were saying, we're all kind of loners and weird. And Yeah. Um, but I really like Peter. And it was great to see him. And then, you know, we shared a stage together. It was awesome. That's a great show. Did you yeah. sing on any of his tunes? Did you come out and... Uh... No, we didn't collaborate on that one. But mm-hmm. we've talked about it. I, I would totally do a, a run of shows with Peter where we would take turns and... I mentioned this to uh, Matt the other uh, day that uh, Peter's been suspiciously quiet on his website. He has not posted anything new in over a year. Really? And uh, smart man. Is he? Uh, <laughs> is, but is he okay? Oh, I'm sure he's fine. Okay, I think he's fine. All right. We okay. would we would have heard something. Would we have? You know, from what I remember, from what I know about him, he sort of lives a pretty quiet life. Um, he splits his time between Idaho, I think, and Nashville, and he's an outdoors guy. And like, yeah. you know, there are guys like Peter. And I, who I admire because of the amount of fucks he does not give. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he really doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. He's like, he just wants to do his, like, yeah, I'll do those, I'll do 16 gigs this year. 
and you the rest you can all fuck yourselves you know i'm just gonna be <laughs> skiing and like having coffee and yeah uh, and i i, I really admire yeah. that i'm not that way i like i really love to work you have a need to be, be on the stage yeah you, you enjoy that yeah uh even though realistically you could just be done mm-hmm. if you wanted to be mm-hmm. um no and, i like i said i love it more now than ever and i think that some of those guys do it just because like they have to do a certain amount of gigs and it peter doesn't need any money either right but it's just keeping yourself out there you know um i'm sorry did you say you're 57 or 56 56 so and your oldest son is 30 right he'll be 30 this year so yeah. you i mean you had these kids young youngish and you were still i mean you had success you had the streak of number one hits and stuff so yeah. you were established but at the same time that's a young age to have kids and still try to be a touring musician no yeah yeah it was a, it was a juggle that i I feel like all three of my sons would say that I did a pretty good job in that um, it's, it was a weird life to have at that time because when Brandon, my oldest, was born, he was born in 1990, and you were right at the, the end of, yeah, the biggest tour I ever did mm-hmm. and the biggest album I ever had. And, and then I was like gearing up for the third album, which, which was very intense in terms of like, I, you know, I've got to come back big and I've... And we had great success with that record too, but it, but it was this weird thing of like living in the studio, but also having a baby at home and and wanting to be a, a I didn't want to be Uncle Daddy, you know, I right. wanted to be a real presence in all of their, and I ended up being that, you know, I think I juggled it pretty well, so I I didn't sleep at all, yeah, because <laughs> I wanted to be up to take them to, when they started going to school, yeah, I would be up in the morning, I would take them to school, and then I'd be in the studio all day and. They would wander down to the studio. I had built a studio in my house in Chicago at the time, and they would wander down after school and check out what was going on. And now they're all musicians. Now they're all... Oh, is that right? Yeah, they're all singer, songwriter, musicians. Uh, Brandon sings on your most recent album, right? The current album? Or was it uh, the last one? He sang on, He sung on a couple of them. Oh, but, okay. no, but the new album, uh, my middle son, Lucas, uh, he's not singing. He co-wrote two songs with me, produced three. Wow. He's... Like he's um, they're all amazingly talented, but Lucas is that he's he and I are more aligned musically. Um, my youngest son Jesse's twenty six, just turned twenty six, is a total rock guy, like hard rock. He makes Lamb of God sound like me. Oh jeez, okay. <laughs> um, but it's super melodic, actually. He's like really talented and an amazing guitar player. My eldest son Brandon is like totally into hip-hop and edm and electronic music um one of the greatest singers i've ever heard in my life is my oldest son even his two younger brothers would say brandon's a motherfucker really yeah but he doesn't really sing that much he's a more of djing and producer and stuff like that but lucas and i started we, we wrote together for this album and and i'm just such a fan of what he does so you can imagine how how happy and proud I am! Yeah, that, of course, you know, that I get to work with them. And he's a man. You're, you're. They're dudes. We, yeah. they're, they're, they're my three favorite drinking buddies. <laughs> all uh, three of them. Did you spend a lot of time with them. Then, yeah. Is that the? Yeah, we hang out all the time. We're like we're really great friends. Do they live here? Or they, they all live here. In fact, my I'm gonna right from here. I'm gonna go have coffee with Lucas. Um, he lives five minutes from here. Jesse lives in Studio City, and Brandon lives in Van Nuys. No, they're all yeah. They're, they're right. all right here, and we, you know, they we live in Malibu most of the time, so we. Um, they come and hang there, which is not a hardship for them. <laughs> I would imagine it's not. Um, they're super close to my wife, Daisy. They just, mm-hmm. the you know, they always joke that, you know, she's not their stepmother. They're, she's their pal, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, it's syrupy, 
sweet good yeah right now is it's that why like, you stayed in chicago as long as you did like to, to raise the kids because yeah you, that was a big part of and it. and then once that then you moved back or did you always have a place here as well no no it i was we, always we we left la to raise the kids in chicago um in lake bluff if you can call that you know northern northern suburb yeah yeah and i'm glad we did i think they're glad that we did but then at a certain point even they started to realize that they were living in a bubble they were living in this like you know idyllic like i called it mayberry the the town we lived in is so small um but 40 minutes later you're in chicago yeah um I, i wouldn't have done it differently i grew up in highland park not too far from you know where i raised my kids right and now uh even I, I feel like I have no connection to Chicago whatsoever. Isn't that weird? Yeah. I kind of feel the same way. Like uh, I feel like a California boy. Yeah. I it, really feel like a California guy. Oh, like I, uh, when I go back to Chicago, I go, "How the fuck did I live here?" <laughs> it's weird, right? Yeah. There are a lot of there are a lot of things about li- living in Chicago that I hated and could never do again. Um, there are things about it that are great. Obviously, it's a great city in the ways that it's great. But I really feel like this is my home. I when I, my friends are here, my family. Although my dad and brother are still, I've got some cousins back there as well. But stepbrothers. Turns out I got a lot more people back there than, <laughs> yeah. I, than I thought I did. No, I guess I keep listening. Literally everyone except your immediate. Turns family. out I should go back there. I have nobody. There's uh, nobody back there. My nobody. mom. My mom lives here, so there's nobody. Um, yeah, it's interesting. And again, what I said earlier, and I've, I've said this way too much on the show. Growing up in the South Side, South mm. Suburbs, a little close-minded, little yeah, uh, so, still. So to get out of that. You know, like, I don't know why I'd want to go back. Right. Uh, although I'm still, it's not a big brush. Uh, right. Not everybody. But One of uh, my closest friends is a guy that you, you may know him named Ro Khan. Do you know who Ro Khan sure, is? Sure, of course, yeah. from WLS. He's like one of my closest friends in the world. And he, he loves Chicago in the way that a smart person maneuvers that city. So he enjoys it because he's successful there and he know, he's, he's figured it out. And he's from there. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he comes to visit us here, he's always like, oh, "I got to get the fuck out of Chicago." Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's certainly in the winter. You got to uh, yeah, you got to scram. Uh, was my buddy Bill Leff was Bill was with Roe for a little while, right? Weren't they partners? I think so. Bill yeah. Leff and Roe Khan. I think Gary so. Meyer was Gary with Roe Meyer for, a little for bit. sure. Yeah, uh, and Richard Roper, you know, has been uh, who's another pal of mine in Chicago. He I, and Roe work together quite a bit. That's right. Roe and uh, Roper. That's a lot of ours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of Gary Meyer, the first time I heard your music was on, I want to say on Steve and Gary, they played on the uh, loop. Yeah. And that was the neat thing about your career. Cause I worked, I was managing a record store out in Madison, Illinois at the time. Uh-huh. And we, you know, we got the promo in of uh, your first album Yeah, and you put it on and it's a, it, it's a rock album. Yeah. And it, what was interesting was to see it top 40 radio embrace it uh, in a way where it really felt like you were going to be an album music yeah i mean the top, the the crossover the pop charts and the top 40 stuff happened sort of after uh, i mean rock radio embraced it first they did so right? yeah because uh, don't, don't, don't mean nothing don't mean nothing i mean that's all that's all rock that that yeah. guitar that crunchy guitar well, it was guitar. also it was joe i had joe walsh playing the solo i had timothy schmidt and randy meisner from the eagles singing background vocals right. on it so it it got attention because the eagles hadn't been together in six years seven years something mm. like that at that point um, it so, was, the, so it was the closest thing to an Eagles record to somebody was going to get at that point. <laughs> and that would maybe explain why XRT played it as well, because yeah. in reality, Richard Mark shouldn't be on XRT. No. But I, that might explain it. I always thought it was because you were a Chicago boy and they were kind of... No, no, no. Chicago never supported me in that way. And they, Not and even they the, loop, the Loop did. The loop, no, I'm saying, but generally, and I've, I, I've 
exchange these stories with Kevin Cronin from Mario Speedwagons and Peter Cetera. There's something about Chicago that we've all experienced, which is that other towns that uh, give birth to successful musicians, they are so proud of those people and they love them and they can do no wrong. And in Chicago, if you leave Chicago to have success, they fucking hate you. And they, they and like I would be selling shit tons of concert tickets and records and, and I'd look at in Chicago and it'd be the weakest city. Really? Yeah, there's some, there's, there's a little bit of a, um, I'm not sure really what that mentality is, but it was, I experienced a lot and the other guys that I know in Chicago um, ha- had the same thing. I'm so, fascinated by that. It sounds a little bit like a, oh, you think you're too good for us? A little like, bit. It's like that out of It felt like it's a like, little bit. And like, I, and you know, I called my third album Rush Street. So yeah. I, I would always wave the, the Chicago flag. And then after a while, I started to go, you know what? Fuck you. Yeah. Like, you're not on board. Why yeah. Should I, be? I would have, I, I'd have a, a song come out and, you know, it would be the most added single that, you know, that week across the country, right? And the Chicago station wouldn't add it. Really? Yeah. They were dicks. They were just dicks. <laughs> that was LS at the time? It would have been LS or, and then later it was uh, uh, the mix. I was gone. I think. By yeah. Then. So there was there, there was and might even still be a, a a woman who programs that station who just no matter what she would be like no Richard oh Richard Marks no no thank you no I don't care how big it is everywhere else I'm not playing it. What's the point of that? What does she get out of that other than that? Just oh, that power? Just, maybe just a feeling. Yeah, power trip. Yeah, but it'd be like I still went top yeah. ten. Yeah. So. yeah, it didn't hurt you. Yeah. Um, there were, when I was uh, uh, looking back at your career, uh, I saw that you were on an album that I was not aware that you were on this. That you were on the backyard concert Barbara Streisand album. Oh man, that's some deep dive digging. <laughs> that there, was dude. I listened to that album nonstop when it came out. Really, I did. It's called One Voice. It's called One Voice. Yeah, it was her for her return to live performance. Yeah, for a and it was a benefit for the Clintons actually. And so, and you you were just were you a back just a backup? No, this singer? is actually a really funny story, right? So I I met her uh, right after my first album came out. I her manager called my manager at the time. And asked if there could, we could have a meeting together, me and Barbara. And I was like, "What? Really? Why? She's a fan. She she like I was like she's a fan of my record, and she wanted to just talk to me about trying to write her a song. She liked my songwriting, and so I uh, we had a really nice meeting at this recording studio. I remember she was she smelled so good, and she <laughs> she was beautiful and charming, and and we had we hung out for like an hour, and. I had just written Right Here Waiting, which turned out to be probably the biggest song I've ever written. And it was this really intimate ballad with just piano and my voice and some string pads, no drums. It totally did not fit the album I was making. I was making another rock record, you know? And I was on tour playing rock shows. So I I wasn't planning to record that song. So I was like, I'll send it to Barbara Streisand. Yeah. So I messengered it over to her house, and I still somewhere have her voicemail. I, ca- I taped it. <laughs> I put it on a cassette. And it was basically her saying, Richard, hey, it's Barbara. I got the song. Oh my gosh, the music is gorgeous. This melody is fantastic, but I'm gonna need you to rewrite the lyrics because I'm not gonna be right here waiting for anybody. <laughs> 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 I was just like, 
blown away by how funny that was. <laughs> but it, the song was pretty personal, so I just and then I got sort of talked into putting it on that album, luckily, and it just blew up, you know. Oh, yeah. So I knew her a little bit from that. A few years later, um, holy shit! Now I'm getting it wrong. That all happened after this album you're talking about. Oh, okay. So this is how I met Barbara Streisand. You met her at that. But she doesn't remember this because she didn't know who I was. You barely remembered it. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. We can, you can edit this bit out, right? Uh, no, no. So here's what happened. That all happened after. Oh, my God. Now I'm remembering. So I was a background singer, right? Like we talked about. I'm a session singer. And I'm doing some background vocals on a Kenny Rogers album at a studio called Lion Share, which he owned at the time. And it had three rooms. And I remember in, at that particular time, Kenny was in one room, Rod Stewart was in another room, and Barbara Streisand was mixing that album, her live album, down the hall. And, you know, we didn't really wander the halls too much, but you, I was very aware that Barbara Streisand was down the hall. Mm -hmm. So I'm sitting there in, the, in Kenny's session, and they're getting ready to show me to do some background vocals on this song. And Barbara walks into the studio and I'm thinking, oh, holy shit. First, holy shit, it's Barbara Streisand. The second of all, she's probably here to see Kenny or whatever. And she says, is there somebody named Richard here? And I went, uh, uh, she goes, Richard, Richard you're, you're a background singer? And I went, yeah. And she goes, they say that you can imitate people. And I went, because I would do that just for shits and giggles. And I said, and I'm already like, she's like, it's so intense already. Like, there's not like, hi, I'm Barbara. It's like, she's, they say you can imitate people. Yeah. <laughs> can you do, can you sound like Barry Gibb? You got to sing on Guilty. And I went, I, I think so. <laughs> so she takes me by the hand and she said, we did this song live, we did Guilty, and he forgot to sing the first It Ought to Be Illegal. Can you imitate it? For the for the record for the for the mix, and so I said I'll try. So they cue it up, and I go out and put my headphones on. I it ought to be illegal, and she went perfect. Thank you so much. She goes, I'm not paying you. I said no problem. This was fun, and that's it. And that's it. That's why you're on that record. That's why I'm on that record. And to her credit, she gave me a credit on that record. Yes. She didn't. She, I mean, uh, obviously, I discovered it. Uh, holy shit! That is. And so then, a year or two later, yeah. I had a you know I'd had some success, and then she reached out to me, but having no, no connection clue. to that story. So when I told her that, she went, "That was you." I'm like, that's a great story. Yeah, that's a Hollywood story. That's a total Hollywood story. Love it. Love everything about it. Uh, we got to take a break, but let's. How about a song before a break? Sure. Yeah. And then we'll take a break and we'll come back. We'll do a little bit more, and then uh, we'll get you out of here. Uh, here we How go. about a little bit of uh, the song we were talking about, Don't Mean Nothing? Oh, yeah. Welcome to the big time. You're bound to be a star. And even if you don't go all the way, I know that you'll go far. This race is for rats. It can turn you upside down. Ain't no one you can count on in this sleazy little town. Oh, no. Lots of promises in the dark But don't you open your heart Cause it don't mean nothing The words that they say Don't mean nothing These games that people play Oh, it don't mean nothing No victim, no crime Don't mean nothing Till you sign it on the dotted line 
Hey guys, Matt here with some dates for you. Richard Marks is on Twitter, at Richard Marks, exactly where you would expect to find him. And according to Jimmy, one of the best follows in the business. So get on it. This guy does not back down. That wasn't a song of his. It was someone else's song, but he also doesn't back down. Uh, So uh, check him out there. Also check him out on tour. Check out his new album, uh, Limitless. Uh, You can find more uh, at richardmarks.com and uh, and see if he's coming to your area because he is going on tour. And uh, you would enjoy that. I guarantee you would enjoy it. Jimmy Pardo is also enjoyable, and he's going to be doing stand-up comedy in Paris, Texas uh, at the Tower City Comedy Festival on February 1st. Never Not Funny is going to be live. We're back at Vitello's in March. That's March 3rd. Tickets not on sale yet, but uh, this is just to get you excited about it. So uh, start mark your calendars, and uh, we will tell you when the tickets are available on the Vitello's website. It's Feinstein's at Vitello's. That's exactly where we'll be on March 3rd. Enjoyable stuff. If you like cool, funny t-shirts, uh, referencing pop culture things, check out um, uh, Elliot's website. That is fictionalbrands.net is where you want to go. I'm sorry, I blanked on that. Uh, Fictionalbrands.net for all of your pop culture t-shirt needs. And uh, don't forget, Jimmy's got uh, Jimmy's Records and Tapes every Tuesday on uh, YouTube, youtube.com slash nevernotfunny. And you can uh, get an enamel pin, if you like the show, uh, get an enamel pin of that logo at jimmyparta.com, along with his new tour poster, all available in the merch section of jimmyparta.com. Click the links and enjoy. Matt, according to ZipRecruiter research, nearly three-fourths of employers say they're finding it difficult to fill open positions. Whoa. These employers are having trouble finding employees. Yeah, what do they do? What's what's the solution? Well, they got some bold steps, and they're taking them. Okay. 68% of employers have raised their wages. That's 68%. Good. Did I say 68%? Uh, you said 60-something. Yeah, I, I kind of slurred it. I want to make it 68%. Right. One short of an up-top. Up-top, brother. <laughs> uh, 23% have increased their benefits. Okay. Now, if you're having a difficult role, if you have a difficult role to fill or difficulty saying a sentence, (laughs) maybe you should, maybe you want to hire a speech therapist. (laughs) Maybe you want to hire a better host. How about that? How about you look on ZipRecruiter for a guy that knows how to talk? Uh, No matter what your industry, right? Perfect example. Replace me. Hire with ZipRecruiter. And now you can try ZipRecruiter for free. Oh, and all you got to do to do that is go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Pardo. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash Pardo. Now they, here's what they do, Matt. They send your job to over 100 top job sites. Mm-hmm. You think they stop there? No, I, but probably not. You're damn right they don't. <laughs> okay, good. They've got powerful matching technologies. ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right skills and experience for your job. And they actively... You mean re- resumes? I think you mean resumes. Nope, it says here resumes. Uh, R-E-S-U-M-E-S. Yeah, those accents mean you say resume. There's no accent. Resumes. It's a French word meaning... Uh, oh, bonjour. You know, I'm 50% French now. 50 oh 15 it went up no i I, 15 15 i'm really having a tough time getting any of my words out apparently number 68 i couldn't say yeah 15 i couldn't say anyway anyway gang ZipRecruiter. uh you can even add uh, screening questions to your job listing so you can filter candidates and focus on the best ones ZipRecruiter is so effective that and hear me out i'm gonna hopefully i can say this four out of five yep employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. 24 hours. That's amazing. Don't say numbers to me. You know I'm having a tough time with numbers. Sorry, I didn't mean to flaunt it. <laughs> Show off. <laughs> Try ZipRecruiter.com right now for free. Listeners of Never Not Funny can go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Pardo. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash Pardo. That is Z-I-P-R-E-C-R-U-I-T-E-R.com slash Pardo. P-A-R-D-O. ZipRecruiter.com slash Pardo. ZipRecruiter. The smartest way to hire.
Hey, everybody, welcome back to... Okay, all right. <laughs> oh, boy. Hmm. Started swallowing and talking and doing everything at the same time. Welcome back to the program, 2524. Richard Marks is here. He's taking time away from uh, his busy schedule, spending time with one of his uh, three sons. He's going to go do that uh, soon. Uh, Brandon, you're seeing Brandon later? Lucas. Luke today. Luke today, Brandon tomorrow. Come yeah. On. The other kid whose name you refuse to give uh, on Jesse. another day. Jesse, that's right. You did mention him. He's the, he's the rocker. Um... I am. You mentioned Satara earlier having no fucks. Mm-hmm. I am fat, and I keep going back to you on Twitter because I'm fascinated by it. Mm. That that you you don't, you don't you don't care. No, and I love it. It's like, uh, in a way that this is a horrible analogy, but that Ellen didn't reveal she was gay for a while because she didn't want to lose her audience. And, right, and and so people are afraid of losing their audience. Sure, you don't give a shit. Fuck you. I don't. I don't know that. I, I don't know that that's exactly the right way to put it, but it could be. I. I don't. Uh, my wife and uh, my manager and a couple of people around me are like, dude, why? Like, what's the upside? You're only going to alienate people by being honest about this stuff. Um, and it's interesting because in my show, I'm never ever remotely political. I never even make a joke about Trump or. Um, I certainly don't write songs sort of based upon my feelings about what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I wasn't even, I was only mildly political pre-Trump. I think we all were. Yeah, right? it, it just, it, everything changed for me. Um, and it's not politics, it's it's humanity. It's, well, you know, it is politics because it does affect all of us who live in this country and who pay taxes, you know. But you know, that we, you know, we say that on the show all the time that, because we, we get, we've lost audience because sure, of it. Sure. And I... My argument is what you just said. It, it's humanity it, more yeah. than anything else. Before but I'm that, also, we just made fun of ties. But it's you know it's hard for me because uh, it's harder for me because I'm I am truly truly an independent. So I think m- the majority of the Democrats are are as full of shit, just not as v- as vile. Mm. You know, um, some of them are. You know, some there are some really really probably some really good people in the Republican Party somewhere who are decent people who are just, for whatever reason, they're just covering their asses and they're cowards. Yeah. But they're not indecent people. Just like on on the left, there are some people that are scumbags, like horrible, horrible people. Um, so it's not a party thing. It's not a partisan thing for me. Right. It's just that this particular president, I, I find just to be a complete degenerate and a horrible guy um, and a horrible president, you know? Um, so when it comes to that platform, you know, you, if you look at my Instagram page, there's nothing political. It's just Twitter. Because to me, that's kind of, that's the forum for it. Yeah. I have friends who are musicians and artists and actors and, you know, who never comment, who are, they just promote themselves. And they're the smart ones. I, I admire their, they're much smarter than I am. But to, to that point, I always feel like you have to give more content than just promotion. Otherwise, people aren't going to follow you. Like, why, right. why would I follow somebody who's doing nothing but giving me tour dates? Like, that's not Right. I feel the same either. way. I feel the same way. And the people that I do generally, I, and I follow some people just out of courtesy, but I don't really pay attention to their posts because it's all sort of generic self-promotion. Mm-hmm. But I do find that, um, I've. For, here's the thing. I've learned a lot. Um, I've been proven wrong in good ways through interactions on Twitter. Um, so, th- and I've met really cool people. I've become, I've had, I've actually created somewhat friendships through Twitter. I mean, 
My first interaction with my wife was on Twitter. Is that right? Well, that first interaction, we talked on the phone about 25 years ago for a second, but we never met. And it was really Twitter that put each other, put us on each other's radar that ultimately had us meet and start dating. And so I owe a great deal to Twitter. I'm a huge (laughs) Twitter fan. Um, but, uh, But along with that good stuff, is this is this is also a forum where people can say whatever they want to people that they would never have the balls to say to your face ever and i and i and people go why do you even respond and i go because apathy breeds more of that sometimes people need to be called out publicly and go no fuck you you don't get to say that to me with no pushback mm-hmm. you know um, and they do. They come at you hard. Oh man! They man. come at you. Yeah, I, I, I give as good as I get. You do, but uh, and I, 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 you do handle it with. Uh, oh, pardon the comparison. You and Chelsea Clinton handle it with more class than anybody. Now she doesn't do it. Maybe as you know, uh, with the language that you choose <laughs> no. to use. Uh, no, but, but she's. But good. she gets punched in the face three thousand times a day too. She's she's really eloquent and funny and sarcastic and yeah. I and you awesome. you know in, in your case you know unfairly somewhat became a punchline because of your hair. Right. And then people are still like uh, yeah fuck you mullet boy like. Okay, I yeah. cut my hair 35 years ago. <laughs> exactly. Screw you. You're, like, You're just pissed because I still have a bunch of hair. You have a beautiful head of hair, too. I'm pissed you still have that head of hair, you dickhead. Um, I have a question for you, kind of on, on board with what you just said. And it is a story that I saw, I'm going to say 10 years ago, maybe in the Chicago Reader. I saw it somewhere. I don't remember where it was. And I didn't do any research on this since then because I wanted to eventually maybe hear it from you. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's a story you don't want to talk about. It's a story that I heard that uh, or that I, I think I read, I, I used to drink a lot. I'm sober 20 years, but I used to get hammered. So maybe I made this entire story up. Right. That some reporter was shitting on you. You said, kind of what you just said, you would never say that to my face. And then he said, yes, I would. And you said, no, let's meet somewhere and do have this out. Mm-hmm. Let's have a fight. And he couldn't believe you showed up. Did I get any of those facts right? Yeah, you know somewhat. what I'm talking about. Yeah, I do. I you know do. Exactly what you're talking about. Are you comfortable talking about this? I'm comfortable talking about it briefly as long as I, I don't want to give, he's such a scumbag okay. that I don't like to give him any, and it's the greatest thing that ever happened to him. You know, um, had, here's what happened. He wasn't even really shitting on me. He was shitting on something else in some blog and he referenced me in a shitty way. Like I, uh, there was no reason for me to even be mentioned. Okay. And look, I, I, any musician, even if you're a critic's darling, you know, somewhere somebody says shit about Beck, right? Somewhere somebody says shit about Bob Dylan. In my case, I, I got shit on a lot for a lot of different reasons. And we, if you say that you hate my music, I don't care. Okay, that's fine. If you say you think I, I'm, uh, I look ridiculous or I, whatever it is, I don't care. This guy, for whatever reason, said, he used the word shameless. He was, he was talking about um, something that was a local story or whatever where there was just sort of shameless, it was a shameless, and, and he said, even Richard Marks uh, isn't that shameless or is he? Or something like mm-hmm. essentially, and I don't, I don't even remember what somebody sent it to me because I wouldn't have, you know, run across it. And it just caught me the wrong way on the wrong day. And I thought, this is the town where I live, where my sons live, 
where my mother lives, and this piece of shit guy who's never met me is calling my character into question. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of hit back, and he didn't believe that it was me. So then I just sort of like really kind of like went, I think of one, but I think what got his attention was I tweeted at him and I went, hey, I'm headed out to CVS. Can I get you anything? Tampons? <laughs> Something like that. Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, uh, most of the women I know are much stronger than any men I know. Uh, anyway, it got his attention. We had this back and forth. And I did say, you know, you would never say that to my face. You know, let's see if you would. And so I went to his neighborhood bar. Not really... I mean, it could have easily been a fight, uh -huh. but I didn't think it was going to be that. I just thought, you know, and as soon as I took one look at him, I knew it wasn't going to be a fight. Um, Meaning that he would kill you? No. Or, or vice versa? V vice versa. You think you could take yeah. this? Guy? I mean, I'm not, look at me, I'm, you know, barely 5'10". Do you want to wrestle later? That's a serious <laughs> question. Because I think it's a fair fight, you and I. Yeah. So it wasn't, uh, it wasn't, like, no, no, no. I'm not some, like, I don't, I, I, fighting is ridiculous. Of course it is. <laughs> but sometimes you have to sort of have a, a, a position. Mm -hmm. You have to like have a line in the sand. And so I walked, he couldn't believe that I showed up. And I saw him and then somebody pointed him out to me and I walked over and he got up to like say, and I went, so tell me to my face now why I'm shameless? That was my opening line. Uh-huh. <laughs> And he sort of like tried to calm it down and diffuse it. And we ended up talking for like 10, 15 minutes. And of course he was anything but in my face. And he was anything but insulting to my face. And just trying to explain his like, I, I don't understand why you got so upset about that. I was like, dude, here's why. Mm -hmm. And when I put it that way, he went, well, I, I totally, you know, I get that, I get that. And I went, okay, so we're done here? And he went, yeah. And I got up and there was, <laughs> a bunch of his friends were like can we get a picture of course <laughs> so he then sent me a note said and said you know what uh that took a lot of balls and I, you know respect and i think i responded with you know what maybe just think about shit like that before you well then the next day he posts another blog and he completely distorts it, and he yeah. compl and he just made it even worse. He's a he's a piece of shit, this guy, and he's he's a laughing stock in Chicago. Nobody pays. I don't know who it is him seriously, um, but yeah, that happened, and and I you know, and it's especially people on Twitter who I'll have a look. I never go on anybody's feed and insult them. I never have. I never will. But if I see somebody insulting me on my feed, I might respond. Mm -hmm. And when somebody is shitty to me on Twitter and I respond, then I'm a bully. And so usually it's then that they'll post that blog from that guy. Right. Ah. Like, this is this is uh, this is how crazy Richard Marx is. And he'll, like, so it's always that. So it reference. rears its head more often than I. Like I literally Everyone thought it was something that I saw once, no, but it pops not. up in your life more often. I apologize yeah. for bringing it up. I didn't yeah, know that yeah. it was a. But it's not. It, look, thorn. you know, uh, I'm not a. I'm, I'm not a wallflower. I'm not. A, I would say that I'm somewhat confrontational only when I feel like it's necessary. You know, I'm not somebody, and I'm amazed I haven't gotten my ass kicked in my life. You know, it's still, I'm, there's still time. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I just don't cower from shit that shouldn't be tolerated. Yeah. Well, good for you. 
Good for you. Is that the right thing to say? Good for you. <laughs> Good for you, little guy. Now you're standing up for yourself. That a boy. Uh, completely shifting gears. Okay. I get off that. I apologize. Although the offer to wrestle is still open. Okay. I maybe would, later. Let, let's just let's see. You know, maybe after a couple of tequilas. Uh, again, I'm sober 20 years. Well, so, I'm not. Uh, so, you get, <laughs> so you get drunk. And I'll just enjoy it. I'm in. I'm 100% in. Bring one of your kids over to mm. photograph it. Um, you know what album? And again, this is me kissing your ass. Uh, but it's an album that nobody... Uh, uh, Days in Avalon. Oh yeah, I think is a uh, terrific album. Thanks, man. And, and kind of a uh, kind of a return to your first album a little bit. Is that safe to say? Yeah. Or I'd are say you so. not happy with that? No, no, no. I, it was a first of all, I hadn't made an album in a few years, and I had had my sort of ten or eleven years of you know great success, and then I sort of hit a wall, put out an album that didn't do as well, and then parted ways with the record company and then shifted completely into writing and producing other people mm. and raising my kids and and you had if I, I'm only interrupt and you had huge hits writing and producing for like NSYNC yeah 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 and uh, yeah it was awesome Keith Urban Keith and Urban Vince Gill did you have a Vince Gill Vince Gill I've gotten to work with the most amazing people um, Josh Groban I did Josh Groban's breakthrough right. single um, to that point and, and again I'm, I'm derailing your, you answering me but your song Front Row that's on your new album Front Row Seat Front Row Seat yeah uh, I think, and if you were to give that to, I'm just going to make somebody up, Florida Georgia Line yeah. or uh, Lady Antebellum. Yeah. If you gave it to them, it would be a number one country song. Probably. Why don't you do that? Because I think you need it. You need another boat. <laughs> <laughs> um, because, well, country radio wouldn't play it because I'm not going to work it at country radio and I'm not a country artist. And they don't, um, you know, country radio especially, they don't take kindly to to artists that think that they're going to just dip a toe in that but what water. about darius rucker why, oh you mean we'll send it to other somebody else yeah oh yeah no 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 no, no, no uh, two different thoughts why, why was darius rucker allowed to dip his toe into country he didn't dip his toe he he jumped in the deep end i see okay. when he left hootie and decided to be a country artist he went a hundred percent into country. he moved to nashville he was like committed okay and and they embraced him only after they realized that he was really serious about ah. it. And he's had an incredible second career. Yes, he has. And I, I wrote with him not too long ago. He's oh. a really su super sweet guy. I love that first album. The first yeah. Hoodie. I like all the Hootie albums. Yeah. Um, but to your other point, then why not give it to somebody else? Why not give that to somebody and have another number one hit on your uh, it shelf? Could, it could happen. You know, I just, I wrote that song uh, for this album that I was making. And I, and I did have the thought, like, this would probably be a cut that I could get somebody big on country radio with. But I really just love the song. So I was like, I'm going to put it on my album. It's a great it, song. it doesn't mean that another artist won't cover it mm -hmm. or, or, you know, have a huge hit with it. Um, I'm actually shooting a video for it on Monday. Or oh, that's the one you're doing the video for? Yeah. Oh, great. But I'm not working it like I'm trying to make it into a big, it's like, you know, right. it is what it is. Although the last, we, you know, we put out a single, uh, you know, I'm, my chart, my billboard chart, guys like me now are the, is the ace, the adult contemporary chart. Yeah. Um, which I'll take, you know. Well, at least you're and still we, Yeah, we had a top 15 single, the one I wrote with my son, Lucas. Uh, so, which is... Uh, another hey, one down. Which is a great song. Thanks, man. Uh, that's the first track on the album, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Uh, speak, uh, going back to you writing stuff for other people, uh, I have a personal connection to one of your songs in a weird way. Uh, my mother passed away at the end of 2017. Mm. And obviously devastating and sure. awful. And my friend Elisa, I want to say, who used to work with me at a record store in Madison, mm -hmm. uh, is a huge fan of yours. Mm -hmm. And she sent me uh, Dance With My Father. Am I getting the title right? Yeah, correct. And But she sent me your version. Oh, okay. And 
you know, you, you know how you do when you when you're listening to a song, you kind of make it personal. Sure. And so, you know, I flopped father for mother and just sobbed like an mm. a-hole. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, that's a I, I, listen, I feel like Chris Farley right now. Remember that? <laughs> but it truly is just a beautiful song that uh, Thanks, was and honestly reconnected me to your music because yeah. I was all in on Richard Marks. And then life goes on and sure, things happen. And then when she sent that to me and said, and, and she actually with a little note, you know, when you're ready, mm. and I listened and it was like, oh Jesus, had That's awesome. you? Uh, well, I wrote that song with Luther Vandross. Yeah, it was the last song he ever wrote, and he had a hit with it as well, right? Yeah, he, we won the Grammy for Song of the Year for that with that song. How many Grammys do you have? One, just that one. <laughs> I've lost like six. You had six, and they were taken from. No, I understand. <laughs> uh, Michael Bolton has one of my Grammys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sting has one of right, my Grammys. Come over to the house. It's your turn. Take one. This guy. Uh, this guy's no, I've only won that one um, and been nominated, you know, several times. Were you nominated for best new artist in the? No, they shut me out of it because, um, I mean, that everybody felt like that that was a, a uh, no-brainer. A no-brainer. Mm-hmm. And then, it, so right before the nominations. Uh, Clive Davis, you knew Clive Davis, of course, Arista Records. And I don't really know Clive that well. I've interacted with him. Is it wasn't personal? It it became personal essentially. But Whitney Houston had been shut out a year or two before of being nominated for Best New Artist because she had sung on some obscure song on somebody else's record mm-hmm. and was credited as an artist. And so the the Grammys disqualified her for Best New Artist. So I'm about to be nominated for Best New Artist. I did get nominated for for rock performance for that year. But the, the, the award that everybody, we all thought was gonna be sort of a slam dunk was the best new artist. And Clive called the Grammy people and said, do you know that Richard Marks sang a track what? on an obscure soundtrack two years ago? Stay out of my business, Clive. Yeah. And so when they found that out, they disqualified me. Oh, no. And this was not, like, you know, like the Whitney song that she sang was like a hit with mm-hmm. her and somebody else. This is a, a, a soundtrack to a Tom Hanks movie that wasn't even that big a hit, a hit movie called Nothing in Common. It's all filmed in Chicago, actually. Oh, yeah. That's a, I love that And movie. it was never exactly. a single. I wasn't yeah. signed to the label. I was just, I did the demo, actually. I, they paid me 500 bucks to do the demo of this song on the soundtrack. And then they were going to get an artist on that label to replace my vocal. And the, the director of the film, Gary Marshall, yeah. uh, went, I don't, I like this version. I want this version in the movie. So that was it. And then it cost me a Grammy nomination. Wow. That was a kind of a dick move on Maybe he's part. mad that that soundtrack didn't sell. <laughs> <laughs> right? There was really no hit on that. I, that was also on Arista Records, right? I yeah, think that soundtrack, dude, you, you know your shit. That, uh, I love how that else movie. would he know? Yeah. Right, how else would he know? This son of a bitch. Although I just, I just was raving about the documentary about his life. Yeah, uh, which I, on Netflix or Hulu or somewhere. Yeah, that was, uh, it was interesting. And my takeaway is that Barry Manilow needs a documentary. That's my takeaway from oh, the yeah. Clive Davis documentary. Yeah, there should be one, probably. Right? It's he. I, the fact that he lived his life secret for most of it yeah. would be interesting for him to now be honest about and discuss. And yeah, I don't know how much he would. I know him. I've written with him, and oh, and I, uh, I I'd be surprised. If he would be, he's a, he's a really private, even now, even though he's come out, when you see him talk about coming out, it's very, he's very economical about it. Mm. He's a very, very private guy, period. Not just in terms of his sexual just, life, just period. He's, he's a very close to the vest kind of guy. So I would be surprised if he would be insightful about mm. his I life. See. 
in a documentary. But I could be wrong. I don't know him that well. You well, know? I'm making this movie. You better get on board. Yeah, really. <laughs> I've made no other movie. You could sell this that. You could, you could definitely do a documentary on him that would uh, get attention. I literally all I know is Arista Records, and then I'm uh, <laughs> done. Uh, what? Uh, who is somebody that you haven't written with that you always wanted to write with? Rod Stewart. And it never happened. No. But it still could. No. It still could. Um, we did a show. We, we met once or twice, and then we did a show together a couple of years ago, which was a blast in Atlanta, this big outdoor place. I opened for him, and um, we hung out before. We were wearing the exact same shoes, which was so, I was so proud. Because uh-huh. <laughs> he's, I think he's like so fucking cool. Yeah. And he, and he wears the coolest shoes. And so, I mean, I, my, these shoes were like, uh, I forget what they're called. They're like, um, Elvis wore them too. They're black, they're black and white. So it's a black shoe with a white top. Like a hush puppy sort of vibe? Kind, no. It's like a loafer, but it's... So a hush puppy. If you look... Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. It could Maybe that is. I, I think of hush puppies as the sort of... Soft suede. Soft suede. Okay. Not this. This is a hard... Uh, this is like gotcha. a cool Elvisy dress shoe. And so I walk down the hall to see Rod. He comes out and he goes, we're wearing the same shoes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I would totally... And he's back to writing and recording more than he was before, so it could happen. Yeah, he kind of got. I lot. just think I j- there are a few people that I just think are cool mm-hmm. that I, I I like to sort of be in there. I, I like to be around them a little bit just to sort of uh, pick up little, especially people who've had such incredible duration mm-hmm. and uh, stamina in in a crazy business, and so and he's just an interesting guy. Um, so yeah, but the the other people that I'm a huge that I'm a big fan of, they don't need my help writing songs. They're doing fine on it. Like I would love to write a song with Sting, but Sting's a fucking great songwriter. Right. He doesn't need my help. You know, I'm a huge fan of Halsey and and a lot of young artists that are big now. Selena Gomez and like they they're they're fine. They don't need my help. Um, well, I disagree. I think uh, they bring in the Mark's charm, and uh, but it would be fun. Go. It yeah. would be fun, and and the people that do reach out to me, um, and that have reached out to me, um, it's fun. Like when Keith Urban and I started writing together, again, you know, he he had a good stable of collaborators. Um, I think he just really liked what I do, and thought, wouldn't this be an interesting match? And it was. We you know we we hit it out of the box a few times. Right. Uh, and who'd you grow up listening to? Like in Chicago, we kind of all heard the same bands over and over and over. I uh, listened to a lot, obviously a lot of people. There were a lot of people that I was really influenced by, but my f- hands down, it's Earth, Wind & Fire. Ah. That was my favorite and band. You've never, have you ever done anything with them? Yeah. You have. So it, so the so I worked came with, true. I worked with uh, Philip first on, um, when I was a, a background singer, I'd had a couple of cuts as a writer and Philip reached out to me to do a song for this movie called The Goonies, which was a pretty big movie yeah. in the 80s. And so we wrote a song that's in that movie and it's on the soundtrack. And I sang all the background vocals with him. And that was really super cool. And I, um, I, 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 I'm a huge fan of every guy in Earth, Wind & Fire. And I have great respect for Philip Bailey. But my hero was Maurice White, who mm-hmm. was the lead singer who passed away f- four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ended up working with Maurice... On my record, he came and sang background vocals with me on one of my records, and spent the whole day in the studio with me. And I'll, I'll never—that was—it was one of the greatest days of my life was That's working awesome. with him. And he was just such a gentleman. He yeah. was just such a class act. Yeah. So yeah, but I've—you know—my wife and I were talking about this last night. I just have somehow um, 
Not somehow. I didn't realize that from the time I was 18, I started manifesting hard. I started manifesting successfully. I didn't really know what it was though. I was just always, instead of thinking, oh, Lionel Richie's never gonna hear my cassette and call me on the phone. I would, 18 year old me was like, Lionel Richie's gonna hear my cassette and fucking call me on the phone and that's what happened. And so the people that I wanted to, to be, to intersect with in my life, um, mostly creatively, but even personally, you know, uh, just sort of, I just kept, I, I think it, I think it's gonna happen and then it happens, you know? That we were literally just talking about that yeah. before you got here. Yeah. About positive, just yeah. positive thinking yeah. and how. Well, there's this incredible book that everybody should read called uh, As a Man Thinketh. And it was written, I think, in 1906 by a guy named James Allen. It, it's the secret way before the secret. And there's a lot of stuff about the secret that I don't sign up for. Like, you know, if you think you want a new bicycle, you know, that, that's bullshit. <laughs> but, the, but the real uh, tenets of, of what you think, how you think, is how your life will be. If you think negatively, you're gonna have a negative life. Mm. Um, but then there are ways to sort of really harness that as I have, you know, and I still do. And it's a great thing. I try to, I, I, I try to really instill that in my sons. And, yeah. and it's, it's, it works, it really does. That's great. So most of the people that I've gotten to work with, and I've had this incredible array of ridiculously talented people in my life, most of them have been from that. That is, and, and yes, if you look at the list of people you've worked with, they are, it's, it's a it's quite hall a, of fame. It's quite a resume. It really is. <laughs> uh, well, congratulations on all that. Thank you. Uh, before we say goodbye, do you want to do another era song? Sure. And, uh, uh, I'll do a little bit of front row seat. Great. I haven't really done this acoustically. Well, let's see how that flies then. Let's try it. But the place was gone No tables open at the other restaurant Drove to the movie, it was all sold out So I said, baby, where to now? Line at the bar was just too damn long That DJ wouldn't even play our song You pulled your lips away from mine And said, come away with me Run away with me And the moon On your skin tastes sweet And the fire Lights Got nothing on you and me Look around It's all we could ever need It's going down We got a front row seat We got a front row seat version love it love it richard marks everybody richard thank you for being here my pleasure oh wait guys. you know what this would be fun to play with you all right you got five yeah, yeah, more minutes yeah. uh, we play a game on this show called sevens it's like pyramid yep. twenty thousand dollar pyramid yep. uh i will give you clues okay you have to guess what i'm describing okay 
Let's do 80s music. Okay. All right. Here we go. Uh, right? We got to do this. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, so it's a song title that I'm going to... It could be anything could from be an the 80s. It could be oh. the artist. Could be. Okay. Uh, could be you. Okay. Um, <laughs> and that'll be my clue. You, if it comes up. <laughs> uh, Elliot, play our theme song, please. Richard doesn't have his headphones on. Okay, here we go. Uh, this will be 80s music. Okay. We have seven seconds to get each one. We want to get them as quickly as possible. Okay. We want to get uh, all seven. Okay. All right, here we go. I'm going to suck at this. <laughs> you know, that's as much fun as if we do great. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Uh, oh, my God. Bon Jovi's big album. Uh, Slippery Wilmer. Yes. Uh, uh, John Wetton's band uh, uh, with Steve Howe. Uh, uh, bad Company. No, no, no. Uh, 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 it's also, next one. Uh, Whitney Houston was married to? Bobby Brown. Yes. Uh, Vince Neil band. Uh, Molly Crew. Nikki Six, yes. Um, uh, Make a love out of nothing at all. That band. Air, uh, Air Supply. Yes. Uh, Eye of the Tiger, that band. Survivor. Yes. Chicago. Uh, he passed away, the great White Duke. The great, uh, that's not his nickname. Uh, Let's <laughs> Dance. Uh, that David guy. Bowie. Yes. What a shit clue. <laughs> What a shit clue. What's his nickname? Well, that might, it might be, be the white, one of them. It might be the White Duke. The White Duke, isn't that his? I wouldn't know. He had like 40 other, I mean, yeah. Ziggy Stardust. Yeah. Sure, could have gone with that. Could have <laughs> yeah. gone with that. I, I mean, that Labyrinth. might have helped a little bit, but we got it. I went with. You said let's dance. I went yeah. with uh, the great White Duke. Yeah. Thin which, White Duke. Thin White Duke. Uh, All right, at least I wasn't crazy. The one you didn't get, John Wetton and Steve Howe is, um, you're thinking of Brian Howe from Bad Company. I'm thinking of Brian Howe from Bad Company. Uh, Asia. Uh, Asia. I couldn't pull heat at the moment, so I decided to. Right. Uh, but uh, 20, that's not that's a bad a really show. That's a good score, yeah. Hey, only, I feel show. good about that. Yeah. You I feel really good about that. You should. We, we want you to leave it on a high. Yeah. Uh, all right, Richard Marks has been our guest. He's got the new album out called Limitless. Uh, grab it. If he's in your town, go see him. Uh, Richard, thanks for being here. My pleasure, guys. On behalf of the Pop Culture Beach, looking over there, there's Garen Cockrell behind the Video Village. There's the Wild Boar, Elliot Hochberg, the Dashboard. That's the Honcho Matt Belknap. Our new friend, I'm calling it now, Richard Marks. I'm Jimmy Pardo. We'll see you next time on the podcast, AK-47. Go on, not forgot. If you enjoy Never Not Funny, why not sign up for the Players Club? You get full video of every episode and an extra show every week when you become a member. Sign up now at podcast.com.